podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So just think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Wasn't too long ago that we had that interview with Joshua P. Warren, where Chris loses his Skype network connection, and for the last two segments of the show, we had to do it with a landline. He had to be on a landline. And that was adding insult to injury. Okay? It's a peer-to-peer communications product. You can talk from PC to PC, Mac, Windows, whatever, free of charge. If you want to use regular phones, you pay a small fee. They've got hundreds of millions of users. Now, unfortunately, when you're doing things like we do, which is trying to do group conversations, sometimes Skype is flaky. So guess what happened this week? Microsoft is going to pay $8.5 billion to buy Skype. And if you thought Skype was bad before, what do you think, Chris? Oh, boy. It's not going to be free for much longer. I think they'll have to make it free. They have to keep it free. The question is not how they're going to monetize it. The question is, will all the people from Skype, all the major developers and executives, leave the company? That's what we have to worry about. Yeah. Well, it's too big to fail right now. Uh, There's quite a number of people now that are switching over to Skype and It is very convenient, and boy, it's a lot cheaper calling around the world on Skype than it is uh, the regular AT&T lines. The problem, though, is that maybe out of a couple hundred million people who use Skype, maybe eight million pay for the service, use the service they provide for incoming and outgoing telephone calls. This sounds almost like we're doing the technology show, but we're thinking here it's really a paranormal thing because we've had through the years – periodic problems with certain guests and Skype. But I never had that problem on yeah, my tech show. Richard Sauter springs to mind. Yeah, but that was because he had his cell phone too close to his computer. <laughs> it was a par- truly paranormal interview. Oh, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> As they say, they didn't take him too nicely. Also, our guest last week, Grant Cameron, has gotten some abuse in the forums, as you've noticed. Uh, yes, I've, I've been rapidly playing catch-up, and well, what can you say? You know, we uh, we do get interesting guests on the show. Uh, guests like Grant have been working in the trenches for years and years, have a lot of information to present. And you have to be patient. And, uh, you know, we can't be uh, diving in and interrupting him every two or three sentences to get clarification on things when he's rattling off all this just fascinating stuff. So let him go with it. And then, uh, you know, had some fun uh, getting clarification on certain uh, points. And I think all in all, it went well. Grant... Uh, He's pretty enthusiastic, so it's kind of hard to keep the bridle on him. (laughs) Well, the only question I guess we'd have is whether he takes some of his sources a little too seriously. Yes. Well, that's that's a whole other issue. Right. We can go into that. And, of course, we know those people with the birdie names. And I don't want to say anything insulting about bird plus another word, but you wonder if you can believe (laughs) those people, like our Rick Doty or Robert Collins, who was on the Paracast at one time early on. And he was particularly upset with us. Hmm. Well, so, I have to go revisit that episode. Oh, boy. It's way back in 2006. We also tried to interview Rick Doty. Now, Rick Doty, as people understand, is a former military guy who went to work, I think, as a police officer and is supposedly implicated in engaging in UFO-related disinformation. And the one time I talked with him, he was busy insulting Robert Collins, his supposed friend, saying that Collins published this book that he contributed material for 
but he was not the co-author and didn't agree with everything that was in the book. So what can you say? It's, it's a tough game out there. Speaking of tough games, you were out in the field this past week in New Mexico. Tell us about it. Yeah, I had a really very, very interesting, arduous uh, nine-day trip that uh, took me all crisscrossing the south end of the geologic San Luis Valley where it, uh, you know, where you have your border with Colorado and New Mexico. And then the valley kind of comes to a point down uh, around the Taos area and, and the Rio Grande uh, River Gorge. And it's a part of the valley that is extremely remote. It's very difficult to get to get around there. And um, Thomas Pay, one of my field investigator friends there in the valley, um, graciously took uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley and myself around to some specific areas uh, that have always intrigued me, but I've never had the, you know, ha- really had a good reason to spend the amount of time it takes to go and explore these areas. And I was really blown away. I mean, it is very magical down there, extremely remote, um, Indian artifacts and, and stuff galore. We did uh, almost 60 miles, you know, on the back <clears throat> forest roads and dirt roads there, and we didn't see a single car all day. So it just gives you an idea. You know, we did, uh, he was close to three 300 miles that day. And uh, the whole portion that was done, you know, kind of off-road, uh, we didn't see anybody. And uh, it's just a very spooky area uh, in some sense of the word. I've always uh, wondered what goes on in the middle of the valley there at the south end and have had quite a number of reports over the years that talk about objects, for instance, uh, descending into or ascending out of this particular region. And and it was very interesting to finally get a chance to go there. Um, we did investigate um, our first case that... Um, I'm really not too sure what to make of it, but uh, we're going to have uh, Rosemary on this show. We're going to go ahead and, and do a, um, a full uh, Paraso- uh, Paracast episode and, and really get in, in depth in some of the very interesting uh, <laughs> ins and outs of these two cases. Uh, they're pretty much standalone. I've uh, not had uh, two, um, very, uh, two very interesting couples, super high-powered extremely believable, have no lust for publicity. They don't want their names used, but uh, they were gracious enough to take us into their homes, show us around, give us a blow-by-blow of a, a series of, uh, in, in the first case, uh, multi-year uh, ongoing events. The second case up in the uh, northern end of the valley is an ongoing two-year case, uh, both of which are uh, just <laughs> pretty much have about everything you can imagine in them. So, I think, uh, you know, without having the time right now to go into a lot of detail, uh, Rosemary and I are going to uh, tape a show with Gene here this uh, coming week, and then uh, that will be broadcast here a couple of weeks down the road. Well, this sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. This, yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, I put about 1,200 miles uh, on, you know, the rent-a-car and then o- overland, and we did quite a bit of hiking. We hiked, I don't know, probably eight miles, uh, nine miles uh, total went to some areas that very few people get to, and it, it was quite quite extraordinary. I've got, I've got some really good um, secondary interviews that uh, I'm looking to put in our new uh, Paracast Pro uh, section, and, and also uh, quite a bit of video and photographs and, and the like, so it's going to be good. 
I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that episode. It's really going to be fascinating. And I look forward after meeting her, and she's a real charming, knowledgeable woman, to hear more about her research and more about the trip that you two took. Now, you also recorded some sessions there. Yes, I did. Um, I recorded two half hours with uh, my uh, good friend and mentor, David Perkins, uh, while in Santa Fe. And a very interesting uh, quick conversation with my brother, who is uh, one of your unsung heroes in the Maya um, travel business. He uh, has a top travel service to five countries uh, where you find these wonderful um, reconsolidated, in some cases, newly discovered Mayan ruins. And his insights into this coming period of the 2012, or Y2012K, as I like to call it, um, time period here in the next year and a half, his insights into this whole thing is 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 fascinating. That's going to be another extra that we're going to be presenting in the uh, the Paracast Pro. We'll tell our listeners more about that. This week we have an old dear friend of mine who was on one of our first programs, and he's been on occasionally ever since. Tim Beckley, who sometimes called Mister UFO, he has a long and some people say checkered history in UFO research. But lots of fascinating stories to tell. He brought on one of his editors, who will be joining us, Tim Swartz, who's actually an award-winning journalist. So there you go. Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. This is an urgent message. Urgent if you care about feeding your family. S-510 has passed through Congress and will make the sale of heirloom seeds difficult. 
Prices of non-GMO seeds are skyrocketing and may be hard to afford in the future, if you can even find them. As the economy continues to decline, this will make the heirloom seeds worth their weight in gold and one of the best barter tools available. When food supplies eventually run out, your solution is to grow your own food and barter tool. Now, for a short time, GetSeeds.net offers 100 packets of heirloom non-GMO vegetable seeds for only $59. Pay with two ounces of pure silver or just $59. The best price on the net for high-quality seeds. Our GetSeeds.net seeds are open-pollinated vegetable seeds sealed in a Mylar bag for long-term storage. Bulk pricing available. So get seeds while you still can at GetSeeds.net or call toll-free 877-341-4769. That's 877-341-4769. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy, Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. So we have Tim and Tim here. We have Tim Beckley, sometimes called Mr. UFO, and we have Tim Swartz, who has written a lot of articles for a lot of people, but does a lot of material for Tim. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're definitely in the Paracast, and I haven't talked to you two on the show for a while. Tim Swartz, you joined us the first year, right? That's correct, yes. Talked about uh, Richard Shaver. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. We've had other conversations about him since then, and maybe we'll go back into it. We also have questions from our audience. Tim Beckley, for those who haven't heard your long and sordid history in UFO research. Well, you start out on a good, a good f- a footing there, Gene. But you know I, what? I want to ask you, though. I have a question yeah. for somebody in the audience who said, how come every time you interview Tim, he sounds as if he has had 20 cups of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I've only had 10. Actually, today I didn't have a chance to have any of them. I just I ran out the door and got some ginger ale and uh, came back just in time for the phone to ring. That works. I don't that think works. he's ever sounded like he's had 20 cups of coffee. Like he said, maybe 10. I was thinking 15. Well, you know, I, I think what I do is I have so much to say since I have so many years of ufology under my belt. 
and probably a few other things that I, I've always got more to uh, to say. I mean, I, I just never, I guess I never get tired of this. You know, it, it's something when you got the UFO bug, you can't get rid of it. it it's it's an amazing, that's amazing phenomena in itself, uh, Gene, as you know, because uh, you and I have uh, have known each other. Uh, since we were uh, both heading up uh, a teenage UFO uh, groups, uh, which is a was an early part of uh, ufology going back into the 60s, there must have been a dozen groups that were uh, headed out by uh, uh, teenagers, uh, some of whom are still active in the field and many who have uh, long since uh, passed on to other uh, careers. Lucky for them. Right. Why did we stick with it? Well, that's one of the, uh, the things that I, I guess we probably have gone through life uh, trying to explain to ourselves. Now, I have a theory uh, that other people have, uh, you know, like given me this, uh, this idea, uh, is, is that uh, maybe we were meant to do this. Maybe there people really do have a, a, a career goal or, or a destiny, and our destiny is to get the word out, whatever the word might be. That's what we're trying to find out after all these years. What really is the word here? And we have shuffled through a lot of theories, a lot of years of um, sightings and abductions, supposed abductions and close encounters, and it all still just remains a mystery. Maybe it's kind of like Agatha Christie. You know, you want to go back and read the next book because it's never quite all uh, explained. It remains a mystery, and that's what's so fascinating about it. I'm still almost as puzzled by the day uh, that I had my first UFO sighting, which was at the age of 10. Tell us about the ten-year-old UFO sighting. Okay, That's well, I've had yeah, I've had I've had three uh, sightings. Uh, well, actually four, but the the fourth was a drone. I mean, it was an Earth-made object. It wasn't anything extraterrestrial or or even interdimensional or time travel or anything like that. But the three main sightings. The first one was in the uh, 1957. I was uh, seated on the front porch of my house out in New Jersey, my parents' home. And uh, there had been a lot of UFO sightings. You know, 1957 was one of the uh, key UFO flap uh, years, mainly in the southwest, you know, uh, the sightings in Loveland, Texas. I think that was around that time. Anyway, there were a lot of sightings, big flaps going on. And uh, flying saucers, that's what they were called then. I don't think that the, the term UFO was actually in vogue. Flying saucers, they, uh, there was always a little something in the newspaper about them. So it was a warm summer night, and we didn't have air conditioning in those days. And we set it out on the seat out on the front stoop. Someone came running up and, and brought our attention to two lights in the sky. Uh, one was uh, directly over uh, an abandoned factory uh, building across the street, Lefkowitz Leather. And the other one hovered uh, directly over the uh, the home that I resided in. Now, isn't that kind of interesting, right? They kept they circling picked your the... house of all the places they could have picked. Well, I don't know whether you, well, you could say that. Uh, I, that's, a, that's a possibility, or maybe it was just a random sighting. I don't, like I say, there were a lot of UFO reports at the, uh, the time. I mean, you could read more into it, uh, but I'm not... Telling you, you should. It's just it's an, uh, an idea here. Uh, anyway, yeah, obviously these things rotated in the sky for about maybe uh, 15 uh, minutes. The one over the factory building moved over to the one over the house, and the one over the house moved over the factory building. Then one across the street, it looked like someone had pulled the light switch, and it just disappeared. Uh, the other one stood up there for a while. Finally, we went into the house after it cooled off. And the next day or the following day after that, there was a little item in the newspaper 
that others had had a, a, a seen this thing in the sky, these objects in the sky. But the authorities were saying that there was nothing more unusual about it than it was weather balloons. Well, I knew at the, uh, even at the age of 10, Gene, that this was something that seemed to be under intelligent control. And I didn't see any landing gear, no Martians waved at me, Orthon did not make a contact or anything like that. Now, but I want to ask you a very important question yes. here, which uh-huh. is because obviously when somebody sees something as a child, you're 10 yes. years old. And yeah. now you're a few decades past that. Ah, uh, jeez, yes. And you've told the story a thousand times. I Did have. you it's, set it, never it down? Did y- you s- yes, yes. Well, it's what happened. It's not a dramatic sighting, but this is what this is what I recall. It's I, since I have. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, you're obviously your your memory can play tricks on you. Considering uh, even the abduction phenomenon, hypnosis, and all this thing, we can make ourselves. But I've told the story so many times that it hasn't changed. So I still remember. I remember it. I, I mean, I remember it. So that was sighting number one. I wrote a letter to the uh, newspaper. I think it was the Home News at the time, and, and I start getting calls from people who had had other sightings. And I was taking out books out of the library, like Edward Ruppelt's uh, report on UFOs, and. Major uh, Donald Kehoe's uh, Flying Saucers Confidential. I think that was the book cover edition of uh, one of his uh, his early titles there. You know, and and, and uh, the first UFO magazine I bought, it was the first one published. It was called Mysteries of Space or something like that, 1950, I don't know, six, seven, whatever. I, I consumed anything that I could find on the subject. Why the pull of this? Uh, again, I guess it goes back to uh, that original sighting, but... There was other paranormal uh, uh, things that had happened in the house. There was lights going on and off and doors opening and closing. Not anything related to uh, the UFOs. At least they didn't realize it at that time. Now I think there could be a possible connection. So that was the first sighting. I also had an experience in Warminster, England, back in the uh, early 1980s. I was invited over to England by my friend, the late Earl of Clancarty, Brinsley Laporte Trench, to speak to the uh, unofficial UFO group that was part of the House of Lords that Brinsley had. Started. You know, now, he's he another the, story here because he wrote books yeah. about ancient astronauts. Yes, he, he did the first one, The Sky People. Not the first one because Desmond Leslie wrote the opening okay, section yes, of Flying right. Saucers you, Have Landed. Yeah, he, so you have to consider here that Flying Saucers Have Landed by Desmond Leslie, also someone from Great Britain, was the opening part of the book that George Adamski was famous for because it was all about his contact. But we forget the larger portion of the book or the most interesting part of the book was his early information that maybe E.T. had visited us in ancient times right and he was a pioneer okay now uh, okay trench was also the first or maybe second uh editor of the british flying saucer review all right we'll talk about that in a moment we got more to talk about we have tim beckley sometimes called mr ufo and we have tim swartz the co-host is chris o'brien i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast Hey, neighbors, meetings are an essential part of any business. You know, making presentations to clients, collaborating with your colleagues. Well, make them as simple as possible to run and organize. Use GoToMeeting by Citrix, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. With GoToMeeting, you can schedule an online meeting in seconds. Attendees can join with just a click from anywhere. Meeting materials are viewed on everyone's screen, making collaboration seamless. GoToMeeting is so easy to use for you and everyone joining your meeting. Plus, with GoToMeeting, hold as many meetings as you can for one flat rate. 
You have phone conferencing and voice over IP are included. You know, my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, a month of unlimited online meetings free. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code PODCAST. That's GoToMeeting.com, promo code PODCAST. Reality check. There are many so-called health products coming out that are here today but will be gone tomorrow. They're fads, they're hype, and a lot of gimmick. Life Change Tea is no fad. We've been around for years, and we've been slowly growing, and our products have attracted loyal customers. Why? Because our products work. Cleansing your body, losing weight, more energy, and better overall health. And you might ask, says who? Our customers say. A company shows its colors with how many people reorder the product. So don't be afraid. We're the real deal. Log on to GetTheTea.com and read all the testimonies. In fact, log on and order at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Or call us at 928-308-0408. There's no call centers, just a friendly operator. 928 928- 308-0408. Once again, 928-308-0408. The U.S. economy is at a tipping point. 40 cents of every dollar the government spends is borrowed. The president of the Federal Reserve in Dallas was recently quoted saying, this path will lead to insolvency, resulting in the collapse of our government and our economy. Our country can't function like this, and neither can your household. That's why you need to prepare, and priority one is your food supply. Fortunately, it's easy and affordable with the help of Ready Reserve Foods. Ready Reserve Foods has been a premier supplier of long-term storable foods for 37 years. Their unique process assures the highest quality long-term food storage available with a 25-year shelf life. A full-year supply of quality food for two people costs a fraction of what you pay at the grocery store. For a free, full-color catalog, call 800-453-2202. That's 800-453-2202. Or visit readyreservefoods.com. Ready Reserve Foods, making preparedness simple since 1972. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at UtopiaSilver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We return. We have Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Remembering the long history of Tim Beckley in the UFO field, which becomes, in effect, a history 
of UFO research. So we talked about some of the people that he met early on. Of course, the late Brinsley Laporte Trench, who wrote the book The Sky People. And you were about to say something else before we had a break. Well, yes. Trench was also the editor of the original editor of the second one. There might have been one before him that lasted a few months of the very highly respected Flying Saucer Review, the British publication. But the interesting thing is, is that the original Flying Saucer Review was not published in England. It was published in Brooklyn. Probably uh, right around the corner uh, uh, from you, Gene. The first issue of that, as far as I could tell, would have been maybe 1952-1953, a fellow by the name of Elliot Rockmore. And, uh, of course, now the British Flying Saucer Review was a little bit more polished. It was on glossy uh, paper, but remember we're talking about the the 1950s when printing was rather crude, I mean, compared to uh, what it is uh, today. Elliot Rockmore's uh, publication, which I think was only about eight, eight or nine pages, I I did have a copy of it once, but it was um, mainly consisted of, of, of all the sightings that were going on uh, around that time. And he was a member of um, a group, I, I guess, that he had splintered off from called the Civilian Saucer Intelligence. And they put out a Civilian uh, Saucer Investigative Quarterly. Well, you know, what's first- interesting. Civilian Saucer Intelligence, ladies and gentlemen, CSI of New York. That's right. Just like we have a CSI in New York now, they investigate crime. Well, in the 1950s, we had CSI in New York. That was a pretty respectable organization, though, wasn't it? Uh, well, you know, I was never a member. I think I came along probably just at the end of their uh, their uh, reign. You can find some stuff on the uh, the Internet about uh, some of these, uh, these early groups. And, and there's one site that I find absolutely uh, uh, phenomenal. I mean, it's just great. It's called ufopop.org. This has magazine covers going back to 1912. There, there are some, <laughs> you, you know, this has been entirely, entirely missed. If you look at some of these covers, and you can, uh, you can, you know, blow them up uh, on your on your screen. The first UFO photographs, if you want to call them that, I, I don't uh, covers were on a magazine called Modern Electronics or a modern electrics, uh, actually. number The issue number nine, December 1911, shows, I don't know what kind of device this is, but it looks like a UFO complete with portholes. It must have had something to do with electronics, but it doesn't really explain it on the cover, and we don't have uh, anything else to... Um, uh, to go by. But there are some of these early magazines that show flying saucers. They can't be anything else. So this whole idea of a, of a, a saucer-shaped device has, has been in the, in the uh, consciousness of, uh, uh, of people for many, many years, uh, long before the uh, Kenneth Arnold's uh, sighting you know, in 1947. But Doesn't that kind of put the lie to the contention that flying saucers represented modern culture? I mean, if you can find stories about them yeah. going back to the early part of the 20th century... Wow. Yes. Well, yes. Well, we know that the, it goes the uh, the phenomenon itself obviously goes way back before that. You've got the uh, UFO flap of the uh, 1897 that were mainly uh, they weren't so much uh, saucer shaped devices. I think uh, most of those were aerial devices. Uh, some of them were cigar shaped. There was a a big flap in uh, Wales 
in, in England back uh, around 1900. There are actually even some photographs. Uh, there's a book that we did recently called Disclosure, and it has some of the photographs from this era. They're either clouds or the cigar-shaped uh, craft. You know, uh, the early crafts of uh, that were photographed by Adamski, most people think that they're uh, serious ufologists, uh, think that they are obvious hoaxes. But, you know, uh, interestingly enough, there was a book published uh, around uh, 1885 or 1887 called Weller on Two Planets. It was one of the first books that was actually channeled. It had some uh, illustrations All right, in there. Would you uh, just slow down here? One of the first yep. books that was what? Channeled. Okay, explain to our listeners, that's where the, someone gets a communication or hears yes. or feels. Yeah. Okay, well, now, as I remember the story, and, and this is a very popular book. It, it's gone through many publishers and many different editions. Um, as I recall, uh, the story is about a young man, maybe a 17 or 18-year-old teenager, uh, who was working on a ranch, seems to be around Mount Shasta or somewhere in California. While he was out checking on the, uh, the, the cattle, uh, he had an experience where he had seen something strange in the sky. He went into trance, I think, right while he was on his horse there at one time, and, and started receiving messages from different beings. I don't know whether he actually claimed that they were from outer space. It seems to be they might have been uh, Tibetan, but it, it's many years since I've, uh, I've actually read the, the book. But there were some fascinating drawings that he did uh, in the book uh, of uh, aerial objects, so, uh, some of them actually submerging into bodies of water, into the ocean and so forth. They look identical to the craft that were photographed, later, supposedly photographed, in the early 1950s by Professor, and I use that in quotes, uh, George Adamski in uh, California. Okay, uh, can we assume then that maybe Adamski was aware of this? Yeah, yeah, yes, with that, uh, that's one of the, the possibilities, that he was aware of it, or it is a possibility also that uh, Adamski took some photographs. In fact, I, I do believe this uh, before his uh, career uh, started. Of course, now, he was interested uh, in all of this Tibetan philosophy and the New Age uh, uh, stuff uh, back as far as the 1930s, 1935. Uh, we recently reprinted his uh, science fiction work that he wrote around 1947, uh, prior to his uh, contact with the Orthon and the Space uh, Brotherhood, in which he talks about being taken to other planets. This was a science fiction book. People say, well, he just rewrote this book and, and uh, made it the book that he co-authored with Desmond Leslie. It's not the same. I mean, I haven't read every page of Pioneers in Space because it's 400 uh, pages, and uh, Dembski was not a world, the world's greatest writer. In fact, uh, all of his books outside of maybe Pioneers in Space were ghostwritten. But uh, we found a newspaper clipping from... Let 19- me just ask you a question before yes. we go on. Okay. Yes. All the books were ghostwritten, you say. Do you know yes. who wrote the books? Oh, yes. One person uh, or many? Uh, yes. Uh, Charlotte Blob wrote one. Co-author, uh, uh, ghost wrote one. And uh, Clara John, my associate for many years. It was a gentleman by the name of uh, Harold Salton. In fact, we shared many a good time together. He was headquartered down in uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, whenever uh, any of the contactees or the UFO researchers, for that fact, uh, came through town because they lectured widely, you know, uh, people think, oh, they made a lot of money. Well, they didn't make money. You know, Dan Fry would get on a on a Greyhound and uh, 
Albuquerque somewhere and, and had, uh, you know, east and after six months, he'd hit maybe, you know, 25 different towns or something, stayed for free at people's homes, charged 50, de- 50 cents in those days for a lecture, you know, and, uh, uh, and, and then would return to Albuquerque after telling the story all over the country to people who would uh, fill up small halls of 100, 200, 300 uh, uh, people. Anyway, uh, Claire, John, and Harold ran a little listening post. It was a a, a very uh, exciting newsletter that read about six or eight pages. It was put out whenever there was important news. And for a long time, Washington, D.C. was kind of the hub uh, of the UFO uh, field. I mean, there was so much activity going on around there as far as sightings. Uh, many of them actually made by uh, government, uh, you know, workers, not necessarily higher ups, but uh, government workers. In fact, um, I just visited uh, recently out in uh, Tucson with Paul Dickey. Well, now I had met Mr. Paul Dickey back in the 1960s because he had had many, many sightings over the Washington, D.C. area, and not just witnessed by himself, uh, but by others as well. In fact, uh, one of the sightings uh, that was made from a government building, uh, included, I think, about seven witnesses besides them, made the front page of the Washington Post. Most people have forgotten about it, but uh, that's part of the, you know, the Washington, D.C. UFO story. So the little listening post was the place that people uh, uh, stopped, and Harold, my friend Harold, got to know Adamski and uh, Wayne Aho and all these people on a personal basis. All the various people who were contactees, part of the contactee movement of the 50s and the 60s. Tim. Got to do the break. We have Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, Tim Swartz. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in. The Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Spring and a new growing season are here. Plant a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, OrganicaSeed is healthy seed. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boost resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. We return with Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz on the Paracast with Gene and Chris exploring Tim's long and sometimes <laughs> rather shaky history as a UFO researcher. Going back to the early years, and we're talking about this Washington, D.C. movement, the Little Listening Post, some of these early contactees and all that. I think the question that a lot of people ask, you've published books by so many people of yes. different persuasions. But what does Tim Beckley believe? Well, like everybody else in the field, I started out believing that flying saucers were from outer space. That we were visiting, being visited. I, I was never a big believer in the contactees. I enjoyed their stories. I stayed up late at night listening to Long John Neville with guests like George Van Tassel, who built a um, time machine, the rejuvenation machine, the Integratron, in the desert uh, in the town of Landers. It still stands there to this day, Gene. He had on Howard Menger. Howard was a great guy. In fact, I knew him uh, personally. In the early days when he first started telling his stories, he looked like a soap opera star, you know, very chiseled face and handsome. And he, led, he was quite a dashing figure. Let me uh, ask you a question and, parenthetically. When yeah. Howard Menger went on Long John Neville's TV show, very short-lived yeah. TV show, 
Maybe it lasted yep. a season. You know, yep. Long John was the kind of person who worked great on radio. And I yeah. grok this. I understand it because I'm the kind of person who I think works best on radio. I'd never even tried TV. I've been on TV yep. a few times. And you and I, Tim, we have the face for radio. Okay. So he gets this interview. Okay, I'm letting that sit there. He gets this interview. He does his interview with Menger. Menger kind of begins to recant the case. Well, maybe he was the victim of government disinformation, something like that. Uh -huh. Now, he said the same thing to Jim Mosley and me in the 60s. We yeah. had lunch with him, yeah. and he was telling me the same story. You know what? Maybe I was just part of some kind of government experiment. Well, what do you think? Yeah, let me, let me tell the, the story because, like I said, I, I knew Howard. In fact, he had retired. If you remember, he was a sign painter, and he lived in High Bridge, New Jersey. Supposedly, these craft were uh, landing in his apple uh, orchard behind his house. Beings, humanoid beings, you know, the space brother uh, t uh, types, were coming out of the craft and walking around at night, and Howard was seen going into the field and perhaps having a conversation. Uh, with these uh, uh, beings. It could never actually be substantiated to a large degree. It was, whether you know, whether you were a believer or one of the faithful or uh, there were people that were skeptical. But, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to independent people, some people who did not even know Menger, who had had sightings on the property. They had seen craft land. Uh, they had uh, followed these beings into the uh, the thickets and the trees and the wooded areas and all. They had seen the, the craft. So there was something going on uh, there for a long time. Now, I think it got to the point in Howard's life where he was being pestered, you know, especially back in those days. Well, people contact you on the Internet now, but most people don't give out their phone number. And I certainly, for one, have never given out my address because I have had threats on my life, not from the men in black, but from deranged fans. I, I mean, the, the, some of these people, obviously, who follow the subject are not fully arranged upstairs. Uh, but anyway, there did seem to be something strange going on at Howard's. So I think he got to the point where he was being pestered so much that he couldn't go on with his daily life. Also, he had children and a wife and so forth, and uh, it's maybe a little bit embarrassing to go to high school, right? And, and everybody knows that your father is a UFO contactee that's kind of, ooh, you know, kind of uh, out there, right? So he did back off for a while. But then years later, he made a return to the field. He didn't make a big splash. Most of the magazines, I just didn't cover his return. But uh, he did show up at a couple of conferences that we gave. You know, we organized fairly big events out there in Phoenix. You attended a couple of them. Uh, they drew huge crowds of five or 600, which for a UFO weekend is, is a, certainly a very large crowd. And, and he told, he went back to telling the original story. So and, what was his uh, excuse? I, what was his reason to well, recant? No, did he, he was, say well, it was because no, he, he, well, he, never, he never really said, but he did have some experiences, he claims, with the men in black. He was visited a couple of times by the FBI, uh, so I, I, don't th I don't think he ever really explained it, but then he didn't really have to. I, I don't think he ever said everything that he did was, uh, you know, uh, something that was set up by the, uh, the government. Uh, Howard liked to talk. He liked to tell a great yarn. No doubt about the, that. In fact, I wrote a very lengthy 40-page article for UFO magazine. They wanted me to write it. I spent a lot of time researching it. They never published it because they wanted to publish 40 pages on Emma Wood uh, instead. So uh, the article is out there. Uh, with we don't want to talk magazine. about Emma Wood, okay. No, I certainly don't, and it's a big waste of time anyway. But uh, anyway, I, you know, I think Howard had something going for them, uh, for him, as well as some of these other uh, early experiencers. Uh, save perhaps the Mystic Barber. I don't uh, ever believe any of this. Oh, boy. Wait a minute here. Now, the Mystic Barber, 
I met him a couple of times. Andy, Andy Sinatra. Claiming to be some was, kind of distant cousin to the other Sinatra. That's correct. And he was a tonsorial artist, a barber, of course. See, and, nowadays, uh, he, though, you see it's a hairstylist. In those yeah, days, correct. you were and just a barber. You get $2 for a haircut, you're a barber. <laughs> was, now, you can you get $10 a, for a haircut if you're a barber. But if you yes. say, I'm a hairstylist, it's $500. And, and, and I'm sure Andy Sinatra would have cut your hair for a buck in, the, in those days and told you the story. Well, now, he was the first person with the antenna on his head, if you remember correctly. He used oh. to walk around with some sort of tinfoil uh, because he claimed it blocked out the negative rays of the, 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 the bad space people or maybe it attracted the, the good rays of the, the good space people. But he was a character, and he always showed up at Jim Mosley's uh, meetings. And, you know, you could say, well, the guy was totally off the wall, but he was kind of human. And, and uh, there would have not be a, a UFO meeting if, if Andy didn't show up. Uh, there were a couple of characters. There was also uh, Alex McNeil. I don't, do you remember Alex? Yes, I do. Tell our okay. listeners who Alex McNeil well, was. Well, Alex McNeil was six foot eight. He was certainly the world's tallest contactee and perhaps the, the tallest uh, tale teller of any of the contactees. He lived in Flushing, New York, and he claimed that he was walking, I think, to the city dump one day or something, looking for tires. And he had an experience where he saw a UFO land and, and little beings uh, came out of the ship. And he talked about that experience. I think maybe he had some telepathic activity going on with them uh, after that. But he talked about that experience at every opportunity. Well, people would say, well, uh, uh, Alex was telling a tall tale. But I think he believed his story. Now, he disappeared from the New York UFO scene because there isn't much of a New York UFO scene for many, many years. But he actually called me on the phone about a year ago. He's living down in North Carolina. He's still around. How old a guy he's was he? Around, and he's probably grown another two inches. Well, I don't know. I, I would say he's got to be certainly in his uh, 70s. Uh, wow. All these around. people. Now, these were characters. You didn't yeah. necessarily have to take anything these people said seriously. Oh, oh, okay. See, now this is where sure. people confuse me, okay? People say, well, you publish these books by so-and-so, and you speak highly of so-and-so, and their stories, I don't believe them. Well, you have UFOs as craft, the phenomena of the sightings and the landings and the contacts, and then you have UFOs as a pop culture, as part of the culture of Americana, but not only here in the United States, because we know this goes on and has gone on for decades all over the world. In fact, uh, our publication, The Conspiracy Journal, is now being put out in Romania. It is the first the paranormal UFO publication put out in Romania and has a bigger circulation over there than our American edition does, I believe. At this point. And don't say it was published in Transylvania, please. <laughs> no, it's not. In fact, we haven't even done an article on uh, Dracula uh, yet, although maybe we Next will. Next week. Uh, perhaps. Okay. All right. So... Obviously, there's a lot of conspiracies to explore. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we had former Governor Jesse Ventura on the show, and we had a full three-hour episode. I think it was one of the best he's done. I've heard him on other yes. shows, but he didn't seem to enjoy it as much as he enjoyed the Paracast, uh -huh. telling us about the Kennedy assassination, about 9-11, right. all the crazy conspiracies. And you kind of wear many hats here, Tim. You cover the conspiracies. Yes. You cover the paranormal. You cover the UFOs. But is there a little glint in your eyes saying, you know, folks, it's interesting, it's a good story, but I don't believe all this stuff? Oh, I, I, well, I think Augie Roberts uh, first uh, said, uh, he had a phrase he always said, I believe in everything and nothing. 
And uh, I believe, you, you know, you can't find out what's going on unless you investigate these things. I mean, so that's the point. Also, what you're interested in, I may not be interested in. So when we put out a book or, or publish an article, it may be something that doesn't particularly even interest me. I mean, my interest in conspiracies lies more in the paranormal and in uh, the UFO stuff, not so much in uh, 9-11 or 2012 or any of this other uh, you were going to say another word, but we can't allow you to say it on commercial radio. Listen, we have Tim Beckley. He is also called Mr. UFO, and a little bit later he'll tell you how you can subscribe to his newsletter. Get all his mailings. Of course, there's news information, and, of course, he's selling books. Tim Swartz is here, too. He'll talk more in our next hour. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. It's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that when Chris said the Paracast, I don't know if you heard it, but this very loud motorcycle passed us by at our studio. There you go. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're back with the Paracast with Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, and Tim Swartz. Tim, Tim number two or the other Tim, welcome back to the show. It's been, what, five years since we had you on before. Tell our listeners how you got into this. Why are you writing stuff about the strange, the unknown? Oh, my goodness. Well, like uh, like a lot of other people, like yourself, Gene, and uh, uh, Mr. Beckley, I got into this uh, when I was a kid, though actually I was, uh, I was drug into it, kicking and screaming. Uh, when I was a kid, I had you know, no interest in you know, UFOs, the paranormal, or anything like that. Living in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, I was, uh, I was interested in uh, race cars. That's uh, Indianapolis 500. That's, that's what I was into. Well, this probably took place, what, in the uh, middle 1960s. There was a, uh, a small UFO flap going on in the United States. Our classroom assignment, I think I was around in third grade, was uh, we were each given a, uh, a newspaper headline, and we were to do a stand-up report on it. Naturally, as, uh, as luck would have it, or, or, or fate intervene, you know, uh, however you want to say it, I got a story about flying saucers. And so, I mean, you know, I did my report, presented it in front of the class. From that day on, 
I was the flying saucer guy. You know, I was the guy who believed in Martians and, you know, little green men and all that. You know, you know how kids are. I mean, they're always they're always trying to find something on you. So uh, I was a flying saucer guy. You know, oh, here comes Tammy. You know, he, he believes in flying saucers. And but the funny thing about it is, was that as they would make fun of me to my face later on when nobody else was around, people would come to me. Kids would come to me and say, "Well, you know, my family and I, we saw this strange light in the sky, and and that's what started uh, piquing my interest uh, in this phenomenon." is that people would joke about it and, you know, ah, ha, ha, you know, flying saucers, little green men. And then they would turn around when nobody else was, uh, was around and say, well, I saw such and such. I, you know, I saw a UFO. And that's how it started for me. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 the personal reports from people that really got my, got my interest and what, what really got me going. And, and in fact, that's where I've kind of uh, uh, specialized over the years is doing or are finding these people who have had these experiences but don't want to talk about it. You know, you, you're, you're not going to read, read about them in the newspaper or, or, or see them on the 6 o'clock news, uh, but, but they want somebody to, 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 to talk to, uh, to, to, to talk to them about. They, they, they want a validation that the experience that they had was real, that they're not crazy or, 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 or seeing things or something like that. And, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, their relatives, you know, these people's relatives will contact me and, and say, I have a brother-in-law who, who had an unusual experience and he's got nobody to talk to. You know, do, you know would, you, would you talk to him? And that's where, it's, that's where it's gone from there. Not so much, you know, the, the nuts and bolts aspect of the phenomena, but more the personal experiences. And, and like I said, you know, especially the personal experiences of people who don't want to talk about it. I would say that probably out of all of the UFO reports that we hear about in the media or on the Internet, there's probably, that's probably like 5%, maybe less, of all the actual UFO and, and then the uh, subsequent uh, uh, sideline experiences that also go along with, with the phenomena, you know, you'll, you'll never hear about those parts of it. You know, I mean, you'll, you'll never hear those reports because these people don't want to talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it. What you're describing, Tim, sounds like the whole first phase of modern ufology was basically, you know, a grassroots kind of network of people hearing about sightings and, and finding out that there are people out there that are interested enough and non-judgmental enough to, to go ahead and, and refer their friends or their relatives to a person like yourself or Tim or Gene. Um, how do you think the Internet is changing that today? I mean, I, I see major changes myself. Um, is this a change for the better, or do we have to deal with even more uh, noise within the signal? Well, certainly the Internet has introduced a lot of, uh, as you say, noise to the uh, – there's a lot of, a lot of static. A lot of, the water has been muddied uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, it, it, before the Internet, most of the way that uh, people communicated – was, you know, either by you know, letters writing, you know, writing back and forth each other, or, or you know, UFO magazines, which you know, there's not too many of those anymore. And and a lot of times, I would say that the internet has really introduced the 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 easy hoaxer, so to speak, because a lot of people can introduce 
uh, uh, UFO videos or photographs or stories anonymously without a shred of truth or, 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 or verification. I mean, as you, as you well know, it's so easy nowadays to, to, to Photoshop a UFO image. Yeah, uh, UFO photos and, and videos have become almost worthless. I mean, uh, well, uh, and, and videos and videos as well. You know, it used to be, you know, yeah. you uh, have a good uh, UFO film. Uh, you know, back when people ha still had uh, you know, super eight millimeter cameras, uh, you know, you could tell the difference between you know, uh, uh, somebody hanging a frisbee on a string in front of a camera. Oh, let's not bring Gray Barker into this. <laughs> and 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 something that's that's really actually you know up in the sky. You know, and nowadays, just go to YouTube and, and you can see that there's a plethora of I mean, absolutely, really, uh, extremely well done CGI. Uh, videos uh, of UFOs, and a lot of times, you know, these are done, uh, you know, by kids on their uh, yeah. on their computers uh, using uh, easily accessible software. So, so yes, I mean, the uh, the water has been muddied uh, quite a bit. The the water's always been muddy in this field. I mean, it's, you had your straight letters, you had your fake UFO photographs, you had your uh, uh, clowns from outer space. I mean. It, it hasn't changed. It's become more widespread. I mean, yes. obviously, I, I mean, now when you get a good uh, YouTube uh, video like the one in the Jerusalem, a million and a half people have seen that. And it's been on the, you know, on the regular news. And, um, you know, we, we think it's fake. And in fact, it turns out, and I don't think most people know this, that the two, uh, the, the two different uh, images, or maybe there's up to four now, but the, the main one was taken by a, a fellow who does a film for a living. I mean, he makes low-budget movies and it turns out that the other crew were uh, people that worked with him i think he he taught film he teaches film or something it turns out that uh, the uh, the other uh, series was taken by some of his students but they claimed that they didn't hope to know that the other one was taking the photos it was just a, a synchronicity anyway say well that's a terrible lie but you know something synchronicity plays an awful big part in ufos i've had some synchronicities that you just can't Explained, they are well beyond coincidences. There's something about UFOs and, uh, and synchronicity that is just not. All right, Tim. Sorry, so, you raised the specter of synchronicity, yeah. and we had Mike Cleland who was talking about synchronicity on a couple of episodes of the Paracast. We don't have much time with this particular segment, but could you start us off on synchronicity? Okay. Well, let me tell you a, a couple of a couple of synchronicities, right? Now, I don't Meaningful know what the, these mean. The I don't know what this uh, what they mean, but the, there's something. Okay, I was giving a lecture in San Francisco. This goes back. I don't know if you remember Dale Redding. He was one of the teenagers. Well, one year he uh, uh, ran the Congress of Scientific Ufology, the UFO group that Jim started, and of course there were rotating uh, sponsors, promoters of the different shows. So he ran in a very nice size hall in uh, San Francisco, and I remember there was even a balcony, probably about three or four hundred people there, and I went out and made a presentation, had a slide lecture, you know, gave my talk, stayed for a few days, very uh, congenial uh, host, and uh, a lot of nice, uh, you know, members that were into the subject, we spent some time together. Well, I had a flight back to New York uh, on a Sunday, had some time to kill, so we decided uh, around uh, 11 or noon to go out and have brunch. So we were in the, the heart of San Francisco. We picked a place at random. I had never been to San Francisco before. My host had uh, never been to this particular restaurant, but it looked nice and clean, and we wanted a Bloody Mary and a beer, and so we decided to have our eggs uh, Benedict uh, there. Went inside, and we were just chatting away, uh, and I happened to mention, I said, you know, geez, uh, with a 
little bit of foresight, I should have called some of the people that I knew uh, in New York that moved out to the West Coast to have them come to the, uh, my presentation. And I happened to mention this fellow that I, I always was very fond of. He was the uh, editor of uh, Psychic Magazine. which was I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Dr. David Berry has provided excellent advice for all those interested in practical economics and sound money. It's certainly worth reading. That's what Congressman Ron Paul said about Cha-Ching Wisdom, 123 Practical Universal Truths About Money, the new book by Dr. David Berry. The cool part of this book, certainly it'll speak to you personally, your life, your lifestyle, your, your money, your investments, but it also can be generalized into the nation. What's going on as a nation? We do these same things as, personally that we do as a nation. Dr. Berry's book, Cha-Ching Wisdom, presents many facets of your relationship with the once almighty dollar and how current national and international politics affect your daily life. Some of the other things are, are about that. They're not just uh, economic, they're philosophical. There's psychology involved in this book. There's philosophy involved in this book. Read Cha-Ching Wisdom by Dr. David Barry, only $9.95, available at chachingwisdom.com. That's C-H-A-C-H-I-N-G wisdom.com. Chachingwisdom.com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. 
month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We're back. Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz, Synchronicity on the Table, Gene and Chris here on the Paracast. Tim, pick up. Okay, so I'm having a Bloody Mary with my uh, the promoter and his wife and a few friends, uh, talking about how I should have called some of these people beforehand and perhaps invited them. And started talking about this fellow that I, I always enjoyed spending some time with. His name was Alan Vaughn. He had moved from uh, New York where he was a a full-time psychic, and he lectured for our School of Occult Arts and Sciences. I said I should have given him a a call, but I forgot to, and I don't know where he's living. I know he's in San Francisco editing this very prestigious magazine. Five minutes later, this fellow walks through the door with his little little dog on a leash, looks around, and I look at him, and I said, Are you Alan Vaughn? And he said, Yes. Are you Tim Beckley? And I said, Yes, I am. I mean, what is the chance that when a San Francisco got a million, eight hundred thousand people? He had never been in this restaurant before. He, he came and sat down with us, and we had a good laugh about it. And I said, Well, Alan, what are you working on these days? He says, I'm working on a book on synchronicity, and I guess this is going to be in the book. So if you could find his little paperback book, he's long since deceased, uh, and you look for Case 17, you'll find this little episode about meeting this gentleman in the heart of San Francisco, totally unaware that. Uh, that I was in town and that uh, he lived in the vicinity. How do you explain that? What does it mean? I don't know. Here's another one, Gene. I'll make it as quick as possible because we have a lot of things to discuss. I'm on the Long John Neville Show. The day after I'm on the program, I get a telephone call uh, from a young lady who does a column for New York Magazine. Uh, It was the last thing in the magazine. It was called Best Bets. And it was a listing, like the top ten restaurants, the top ten whatever. Okay, she said, I heard you on the Long John Show last night, and I want to do top ten UFO sightings in and around Manhattan. And I said, oh, that sounds fine. And I proceeded to talk to her with my 20 cups of coffee for about a half an hour. I said, well, you know, okay, we've had this conversation. Uh, Let me mail you some of my bio material. Obviously, we didn't have the Internet or anything. So I asked her for her address. And she said, blah, 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 blah. And I said, blah, 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 blah. But I'm at that address. She was on the sixth floor. I lived on the fourth. So I, uh, I went up and I handed her the literature. And I said, I just saved myself, obviously, a dollar in stamps. We became fairly good friends. It turned out that she was the first person uh, to travel with the Dalai Lama. She wrote the first book on the Dalai Lama. Uh, she later uh, died of uh, brain cancer, very tragic, very young age. She's a very talented uh, gal. What's the chances that somebody hears you on the radio and they live two floors above you? Her story goes on. Uh, to move ahead two decades, but it's long and detailed, but you kind of get the message here 
there's something about synchronicity and, and UFO, uh, UFOs. And, and I've talked to other people in the field, and they seem to have the same uh, pattern, but not as many and as not as uh, far-fetched as the ones that I have. In fact, uh, when I write my life a story, that's going to be one of the chapters in the book because there's something strange going on there. But I wish I could pick the lottery number or the right slot machine or, or something that would happen. But you know what it proves, if nothing else, is that there is an intelligence to the universe. I don't believe necessarily in God and, uh, you know, the guy sitting on the throne. Or I'm not a, a very religious person at, at all. But there's something out there that tells us uh, that uh, uh, some pattern to what's going on. It's you don't think it's just coincidence. You think there's oh, a come purpose. On. Is, that, is that coincidence? I, and I mean, I've just told you two stories. I could tell you a dozen. I mean, a dozen that is just like, we're not just talking about running into somebody in the street or the telephone rings that, uh, and you haven't heard from that person. No, it's beyond coincidence. If you want to find out a little bit more about this, there was a gentleman who talked to dolphins. His name was uh, Dr. John C. Lilly. He wrote about synchronicity. He believed that there was actually an intelligence that existed outside of our own, invisible to the human eye. You know, we all have some theories about this, uh, Gene, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he gave it a, a, a name, but he thought they were pri trying to prove their existence by uh, creating these synchronicities in our lives. That was the way to, to show that there was some other intelligence outside of our own. I mean, he didn't look at it in a, in a religious sense. He saw it as a, an invisible intelligence that was like, kind of like fooling with us. You know, I kind of go along with that, except he was doing ketamine and I'm not, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Vitamin K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you bring up a very interesting point, Tim, in that uh, I, I actually that's the first thing that I look for uh, when I am investigating some sort of case or doing some research is I look for that synchronistic element because to me, if it's there, then it it gives me kind of my own little sort of private litmus test of credibility because the more the more synchronicities you have involved in a case, I think the more likely they are to be. Uh, to be real, and, and they should be taken uh, pretty much at face value. It well, Tim Schwartz, how about how about you? You've you've uh, have you had these types of synchronistic experiences, and have you had validation in this uh, in this sort of I guess way, shape, and form? Oh yes, definitely. Uh, nothing quite as significant uh, when it comes to uh, say UFOs as uh, some of the cases as uh, Tim Beckley. But uh, uh, some of the things that, that I have noticed when it comes to uh, my own field research into uh, UFOs, and I know this is something that uh, Tim Beckley has talked about as well, is that you know, if, if I go out and I'm talking to, say, a family about their UFO experience, I will try to make an effort to talk to their neighbors or talk to uh, uh, people who, who, who live in the nearby town to try to find out if anybody else has had similar experiences. And I would say that probably you know, nine times out of ten, I, I'll, I'll get some additional stories, but I'll also get some uh, uh, rather bizarre stories as well. Uh, along the lines of uh, uh, paranormal or, or uh, unusual uh, monster sightings, Bigfoot, uh, other types of strange creatures. And, and then a lot of times people will just uh, uh, approach me just out of the blue and say, I saw a Bigfoot near such and such town, which just happens to be an, an area that I had been investigating earlier. But, you know, I, I, I don't publicize too much my investigations. You know, I, I, I try to work 
somewhat behind the scenes. Yes, but you write so much material for Tim. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I definitely do. But, you know, you don't you don't read a lot of my own personal investigations in the stuff that I write for Tim. Uh, the main reason is that most of the people that I talk to, they want to remain anonymous. And, and you, know, you know as well as I do that uh, uh, anonymous reports, you know, they, they really don't they don't carry much weight, at least for other uh, UFO investigators, uh, or, or or for people who are trying to find that you know that that uh, that that connection or those you know that 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 big uh, uh, that big connecting element uh, towards the reality of UFOs. So uh, it's uh, it, you know it, it's it's just more it's just more along the lines of uh, uh, gathering these cases, uh, preserving the witnesses' anonymity, and. Uh, you know, just trying to trying to come up with uh, uh, some kind of some kind of connection. Uh, well, you bring up a good point. Are all these uh, tenant uh, type phenomena? Do you think they're connected? Do you think Bigfoot, um, crypto creatures, um, elementals, uh, various uh, haunting type phenomena, and UFOs, for instance, are connected, or do you feel that they're all sort of separate and and just happen to occur separately, but somehow uh, in, in a timely manner uh, in terms of time proximity to one another. What, before, what are your feelings about Before we this? get to that, before we have an answer, we have Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz, Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. GCN listeners, why have you been hearing so much about Dermatol, the all-natural, all-purpose first aid spray? Because it's the must-have first aid product you need in your preparedness kit. Dermatol is made in America by Americans who know there's a more affordable, natural way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many other skin problems. Dermatol is gentle enough for diaper rash, powerful enough for bed sores, and harmless to the eyes and mouth. It's great for the whole family, even your family pets. Dermatol is antimicrobial, antifungal, anti viral and not diminished by freezing extreme heat or years in storage dermatol is an absolute must for any first aid or preparedness kit dermatol's soothing rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed order yours today call 800-217-6677 800-217-6677 that's 800-217-6677 efficient economical effective spray it all with dermatol The U.S. economy is at a tipping point. Forty cents of every dollar the government spends is borrowed. 
the president of the Federal Reserve in Dallas was recently quoted saying, this path will lead to insolvency, resulting in the collapse of our government and our economy. Our country can't function like this, and neither can your household. That's why you need to prepare, and priority one is your food supply. Fortunately, it's easy and affordable with the help of Ready Reserve Foods. Ready Reserve Foods has been a premier supplier of long-term storable foods for 37 years. Their unique process assures the highest quality long-term food storage available with a 25-year shelf life. A full-year supply of quality food for two people costs a fraction of what you pay at the grocery store. For a free, full-color catalog, call 800-453-2202. That's 800-453-2202. Or visit readyreservefoods.com. Ready Reserve Foods, making preparedness simple since 1972. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz, Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, you had posed a question. Do you want to follow up with further information or let's get an answer? Well, I think it's a pretty simple question. Uh, you know, we do seem to see a lot of compartmentalization in the investigative field or have uh, seen this uh, over the last, you know, how many decades you want to go back. And I think we're all we're all sensing that there's a, a kind of a move towards the thinking that they're possibly is a connection between a lot of these divergent phenomena. What do you think, Tim Schwartz? Uh, are we looking at something that may have some sort of commonality, uh, or, or are they all completely separate? Well, you know, you're, you're, you're exactly right when you talk about uh, compartmentalization. And, and that's one of the things that has, that has really irritated me uh, over the years with uh, a number of other uh, researchers, is that they have a tendency to get themselves stuck in a mindset. UFOs are nuts and bolts craft from uh, Zeta Reticuli. Uh, uh, Bigfoot is a, a hominid, a uh, physical hominid uh, living in the woods. You know, there's no crossing the lines. I'm not going to investigate, you know, anything uh, uh, outside of, uh, uh, of my belief systems because I know it's not true. And, you know, I've always taken the philosophy that, you know, you have to listen to the reports. You have to listen to what the people are telling you and to keep your own personal beliefs out of it because belief is the enemy. But, but to really, to, to, to answer your, your question there, Chris, 
uh, I think that uh, that it does show, at least with uh, uh, my investigations, my research, and the research uh, of others, there does seem to be a, and I'm going to use this word, you know, for want of a better word right now, you know, a paranormal aspect to certain kinds of UFO phenomena. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, UFOs are strictly all paranormal or UFOs are strictly all uh, uh, nuts and bolts uh, spacecraft. I think that there's a good possibility that, uh, that, that there probably are some UFOs that, that do represent uh, extraterrestrial uh, visitors. I, I've also tossed around the idea uh, uh, that uh, that UFOs uh, could be uh, time travelers, uh, either uh, from Earth's future or from uh, um, you know an extraterrestrial race. But there's a lot of reports that smack right into the realm of the uh, of the paranormal. You know, uh, people will have a what you know what seems to be a mundane UFO sighting. You know, they they, they see some lights in the sky, nothing too unusual. They go home, and the next day, their house is invaded, uh, is invaded by poltergeist, or, or, or all of a sudden, you know, strange, uh, strange people—not necessarily the men in black, but you know, along those lines—you know—come knocking at the door, trying to sell them magazines, but all they want to talk about is, uh, is uh, UFOs and things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, there, there, there does seem to be some kind of, uh, some kind of a connection uh, between these. What that connection is, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's. There's been some uh, uh, some pretty good investigation uh, recently by uh, Phil and Brogno, who you've had on uh, the Paracast recently, talking about the jinn and other types of uh, paranormal types of uh, entities that seem to uh, to fall very closely into you know these parameters that uh, that that people are reporting of their own uh, experiences. Well, well, we we did a book uh, recently uh, where we covered the dark side of ufology. Mm -hmm. It's called Round Trip to Hell in a Flying Saucer, UFO Parasites, Alien Soul Suckers, Invaders from Demonic Realm. In fact, uh, we did a a very nice uh, interview with uh, Chris that's in there, uh, photographs that my friend Charlotte took uh, while we were out at his palatial estate there in uh, Arizona. Palatial (laughs) estate. (laughs) By the way, you should see his servants. Oh, <laughs> we had we had a wonderful yeah, Gracie and uh, Fred. We we had a wonderful and, and uh, Ethel and Little Ricky. A wonder, wonderful afternoon and a great uh, interview, and uh, it's uh, about the shape shifting. We found out that not only uh, do uh, uh, al- well we call them aliens because what else do we call them? Right? Aliens have the ability to shape shift, right? But that the craft do themselves. In fact, in this book, uh, Tim Tim Schwartz ha- has done a chapter uh, that includes morphing UFOs. You know, on a lot of occasions, and I, I found this at first very stunning. That uh, I, I couldn't believe it. People were describing objects to me that actually changed shape in front of their eyes. I remember talking to two teenagers, probably about you know, sixteen, seventeen years old. They had had a close encounter in Staten Island. Now, this uh, it gets away with the notion that only people living near swamps or in the farmland or in the middle of Sedona have UFO sightings because UFO sightings are reported all over the world, including right here in Manhattan. Uh, anyway, these two, young, these two teenagers, 
I was a teenager once too, Gene. So was you. And, uh, <laughs> Actually, anyway. I was never a teenager. I've always been as I am now. Okay. Uh, anyway, they described seeing this. Uh, uh, I think it was a ball-shaped object. It started out as a, uh, twice the size of a basketball, and it was coming down in between the trees. Uh, and in fact, uh, we took photographs of this area where it had apparently touched the trees and uh, burned them or knocked them down or, or whatever. Not, not the whole tree, but you know, branches and stuff like that. It's seen that many times before. It doesn't really prove uh, anything. Could have been ball lightning. But I don't think so. It was daytime, and it, uh, it it didn't usually ball lightning, as I understand it. Kind of just burns itself out or explodes, and you know, very short short lived phenomenon. Well, this lasted quite a while. Anyway, as the object rose into the sky, it changed from this ball shaped object into a cigar shaped craft before heading out over uh, Staten Island. Okay, I was uh, writing for UFO Report at the uh, uh, at the time. That was the uh, prestigious uh, UFO uh, publication put out. This by, was a uh, magazine, doctor. by the way, where you actually yeah. got paid for your articles. Oh, $500, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm looking for a publication that will pay $50 <laughs> these, these days, you know. But uh, anyway, I, as I went along interviewing people, I found more and more people describing these objects changing shape. Uh, I did an interview. In fact, this is uh, my best abduction uh, case. Uh, and it's not as well known as uh, Betty and Barty Hill or some of the others, but there was a gentleman by the name of Carl Higdon. And uh, this uh, experience took place in uh, Wyoming. Mr. Higdon, I believe he was in his 40s at the time, uh, was an avid hunter. He had gone out uh, in his uh, truck, like a 4x4, four four, you know, with an open hatch in the back there. And uh, he had gone out hunting about 6 a.m. I don't know why hunters always start out early, uh, but uh, maybe the animals are half asleep or something. I, I don't know. But anyway, he started out at, the, at, at 6 a.m. to go elk hunting. He drove to an area that was a very, uh, just a grassy, like, dull or glade, parked his vehicle because he saw some elk in the distance. Okay, he, he gets out of his, uh, his truck, and he, uh, he goes to, you know, move in on the elk and raises his rifle to shoot one of the, uh, the elk that's off in the distance. Uh, at that point, just as he was about to pull the trigger, everything went dead around him. All the sounds of uh, the ambient sounds of you know the sky and the air and the the birds and the beast and the, and whatever. It it was like the world stood still. He managed to get off a, a shot at the elk. The bullet hit some invisible barrier or wall and fell to the ground. He actually, we photo, we did a, an article for a well, UFO report that was like 40 pages, but also it was a headline story in the Star because I was a stringer for the Star in the Inquirer at the time. Had the, the bullet and the casing, the bullet looked like it had been twisted out, uh, inside out, right? Okay, so he sees this, uh, while this is happening, you know, he's in like some zoned out sta uh, state, right? like the Oz Factor, uh, they refer to it in Australia, I know. Uh, he saw in the distance uh, a, a craft. It was a box, a, a cube-shaped uh, object. He said uh, probably not more than 15 feet in, in diameter. Uh, beside this object was uh, an, a, a, a being, some sort of uh, alien being. And I asked him, well, he did a drawing for us. He wasn't a very good artist, but under hypnosis, I kind of get the point. It kind of looked you, like We'll a, go into the being, Tim. We'll go into the being. That he saw near this box-shaped craft. Yeah. In our next segment, we have Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. 
Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. Spring and a new growing season are here. Plan a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, Organica Seed is healthy seed. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We all need to prepare ourselves. You might have the food, water, gold, and silver, but ask yourself, are you truly prepared? That's why you need to visit MainMilitary.com. MainMilitary.com carries everything you need. Gas masks, wool blankets, fire starter kits, high-capacity magazines, chemical suits, military surplus items, and much more. Do you own a firearm? MainMilitary.com has a large selection of pistols and rifles suited for your needs. Are your local stores sold out of ammunition? Call or visit them today for prices on hard-to-find ammo and bulk ammo orders. You don't need to worry about having a military surplus store in your area because MainMilitary.com is the only store you'll ever need, all from the comfort of your computer. Visit them online today at MainMilitary.com. That's Main, like the state, Military.com. Or call them at 1-877-608-0179. That's 1-877-608-0179. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We're exploring a strange encounter involving an entity, a being. Okay. From Tim Beckley. Our Tim Swartz is here also. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Tim, we had to interrupt you there, okay. but tell us more about what happened. Oh, okay. What about so, this so being? Carl Higdon. He sees this uh, the square-shaped, uh, cube-shaped object, a being standing in front. The peculiar thing about the being, he was kind of humanoid-looking, but he had hair like a punk rocker. It was like straw, you know, kind of just very blonde-looking and stood up in the, uh, you know, just very stiff. Okay, somehow he finds himself inside this craft. He didn't walk into it, but he materialized inside the craft. Now, when he got inside this craft, he realized this could not possibly have been the same craft that he was looking at uh, from a distance, which was only 15 uh, feet uh, up and down in, in diameter, you know, because inside the craft, not only was there a full crew of these beings, but there were some of the elk that he was uh, uh, hunting, and they were in cages. Well, elks are pretty big uh, animals, if you ever seen them, and, and I have. Anyway, it wasn't this 50, the cube had changed shape, or somehow the dimensions inside the craft were different than when they were on the outside. He went to some other place. They t- uh, transported him to some place. He got out of the craft. He went into the building that uh, kind of looked like the uh, the Space Needle in, in the Seattle, Washington, you know, leftover from the World's Fair. Uh, they put him on a, a, a machine that was like a scale, but he could tell that it was doing measuring something else, you know, his bodily fluids, uh, whatever, because this is part of the, the, uh, the experience. And while he's on this machine, this looks like kind of a scale, you know, like you would put your quarter in in the pharmacy or something and stand on it with the weights and the measures and all that. He happens to glance out uh, the window, and he can see down on the street below. And there are these beings traveling along on the mobile streets, like conveyor belts, you know, uh, like you, you see in the airport, you know, where you get on, you don't have to carry your suitcase because you get on the conveyor belt and just let it take you where it's, it's going or where you're going. He sees uh, mingled in with these uh, these strange beings with the punk rock hair what looked to be earthlings. And they're kind of just mingling in with society, with this alien society and, uh, and going about their business, whatever their business is. Finally, uh, he they're finished with the examination and whatever brief conversation they have. He finds himself back into his uh, vehicle, in his uh, truck, with the open hatch back. Now, before he got back down to, to planet Earth, they told him uh, that they were going to transport him back into the truck. Well, he found himself in the truck, but the truck had moved. It had moved from the grassy knoll area back into a very marshy area. He managed to use his CB radio to call the police. Okay, and it was a little whacked out. I mean, his eyes were burned, and uh, you know he was having a, a memory of problems and, the, and all of that. He managed to get off a call to the police. The police came. They could not move his vehicle out because it, it was in a spot where they said he could never have driven it. Now, I'm not taking his word at it. In those days, 
since Saga Magazine paid money and sold to the National Star, you had money to do actual research. You made long distance calls and checked these things out. You know, so uh, people who think that I'm sitting around making this stuff up, you don't have to make up stuff in ufology. It's all very strange and very weird. So those people who, uh, you know, can take a tin cup and go out on the street who, who think that I have nothing better to do in life to make up UFO stories because these things are fascinating by themselves. Anyway, we call the, uh, the police. Yes, they did have to tow the truck out. They had to put logs down, you know, cut logs and put them down. And it took two tow trucks to uh, get his uh, vehicle out of this uh, marshy area. Okay, they took him to the hospital because, like I say, he was all, he was dazed and he was all burnt. They did uh, x-rays on him. Well, he had had a kidney problem before this experience. Uh, traces of the kidney, a kidney problem were all cleared up. So you had the teleportation of the truck. You had the, uh, the shell casing and the bullet being twisted uh, inside out. And you had the medical examination proving that the scar tissue had disappeared. Now, that's a case you can sink your teeth uh, into. It's not something under hypnosis. Now, he was hypnotized later on. But even without the hypnosis, you got the physical evidence. There aren't too many other UFO abduction cases that you can point your finger and say that. You have your shape-shifting sort of uh, part of the whole scenario as well, yes. which is how you started out this story. That's correct. Well, that is, that is uh, more and more cases uh, like that where people are describing not only the craft uh, changing shape, but the beings as, uh, as, as well. In fact, uh, we in the interview that we did for the uh, round trip to Helena, Flying saucer also available on Kindle. That you know, you pointed out like cases throughout history, even where shape shifting apparently was a you know part of legend and lore and uh, and something accepted by other societies. I think did you even go back to Roman times? There was a, a case there. The question I guess we'd raise here, the skeptical question is, when you see something change shape, is that your mind playing a trick on you? Why do people have the same illusion? See, that's another thing about UFOs. People say, oh, oh, it was um, a, a night um, uh, nightmares or what is it, the hag syndrome, or there's always an excuse. But why would people see the same type of craft or go through the same experience? You know, you would think that you would see ugly birds or, or something. I mean, a giant insects. Instead of you see extraterrestrials, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. There is something going on that is outside of uh, any concept that we can understand. That's why I don't believe that UFOs are extraterrestrial. And people say, well, what do you believe? It's impossible to put it into words because I think we're dealing with something that is totally beyond our understanding. And I don't know if we will ever understand it. I mean, there may be a few crafts coming here from outer uh, space. There could be some things that are projections. Richard Shaver uh, talked about a lot of these sightings actually being projections from the, uh, the caves, that uh, these objects were actually trying to shift or divert people's attention away from something else that was really going on. So while you were looking at, you know, the objects in the, uh, the, the sky, something else perhaps a little bit stranger, even more mysterious, like maybe cars coming out of the caves or something is going on five miles away. So, well, so. you know, <laughs> of course, Richard Shaver is an interesting case because we have what he said, and I knew Shaver, you knew Shaver, a lot of people yeah. do. Uh -huh. And the question here is, of course, Richard Shaver says he encountered physical beings living within caves, yet there were also reports that Shaver had been institutionalized for a number of years. Well, Tim Ass over there on the other side of the room, he's written a book uh, on the on the Shaver uh, mystery, and he's explored this. Perhaps he could uh, chime in on, on, on Shaver because he's uh, researched this and read a lot of Shaver's material. Tim, that's a perfect lead-in for uh, for one of the questions here on, at uh, forum.paracast.com from a new uh, Paracast uh, forum poster named Sentry. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tim Ass, let's, uh, let's talk about Shaver here for a minute. 
Uh, let's uh, look at the question here. He says, Shaver himself said he was a victim of the Duro's mind-altering rays. Could his story be Duro distorted memories of actual events? Interesting question. And uh, here's the, it's, it's about a three-parter. Without Ray Palmer, could there have been a Shaver mystery? If so, how would it have differed? And if Shaver's story hadn't come out uh, until much later, let's say during the uh, height of the contactee and abduction eras, for instance, how would it have been received? Hmm. Well, oh, you know, wow. here, here's an interesting thing before uh, the LA Tip could talk. A lot of the contactees talked about uh, the people inside the caves in Lemuria and Atlantis and people. I mean, there was a little bit of crossover uh, there, although they didn't see him as being deranged as uh, uh, Shaver and his bureau. Anyway, Tim, you go ahead with this. Well, no, I just, you know, first of all, uh, I want to address the, uh, the part of the question that asked about uh, uh, Richard Shaver being uh, institutionalized at various points in his life. I think that uh, the evidence uh, shows that, that, that he probably was, you know, uh, but, but, you know, when they would institutionalize people back then, you know, nowadays, you know, we get, uh, we get Prozac or, 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 or things like that. I don't know if that really should uh, uh, work to diminish his story any. The interesting thing, I think, about Richard Shaver is that, uh, you know, his story is, is basically a modern retelling of the same kind of tales that have been with us since, you know, we've been, you know, here on this planet that there are that, that there is another race uh, that lives underground with us and in fact you know some uh, some ancient societies believe that uh, that our genesis uh, uh, came from inside the earth I mean you know if, if we didn't come from the stars then we came from uh, from from the caves and uh, and I think that Richard Shaver is uh, you know, was, was taking these stories and giving them a a, a modern twist, of course. You know, I mean, his his stories came out uh, uh, initially in the early 1940s, but I mean, they they've continued and uh, perpetuated uh, uh, since that time. And and you know, if if we hadn't had the the modern UFO era uh, uh, come about, which which started in you know in, in 1947, even though we've had uh, UFO reports. Uh, uh, from the beginning of uh, of time as well, we probably would be talking about the uh, uh, unknown creatures uh, from the caverns. You know, I'll the, tell you what, we'll get into more unknown creatures and lots more coming up. We have Tim Swartz, Tim Beckley, I'm Gene Steinberg, the co-host is Chris O'Brien, and you're in The Paracast. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700.
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're back with the final hour of the Paracast. Our guest... Tim Beckley and Tim Swartz. Tim Beckley, of course, is also known as Mr. UFO. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. One thing before we go on with the final segment here, and we do have questions coming from our audience still, and that is, Tim, where do we find more of the things that you do? Well, let me see. Uh, Conspiracyjournal.com would be the best place. Uh, Also, you know when I tell people, go to Amazon, type in my name, Timothy Beckley, type in Commander X, type in Tim Schwartz, type in Sean Castile. You'll find about 200 books that we have either worked on or published. If you order them from us, uh, we have a little bit better price, and uh, we throw in free CDs and DVDs. We have a huge collection of stuff. You know, I've traveled all over the country, and I've interviewed people, and uh, it's kind of my unfair, unbalanced, unedited uh, series. That's what I call it, and uh, give them out with all our uh, orders. We've got a huge collection. Uh, You know, one of the books we've done recently is the reprint of Frank Scully's Behind the Flying Saucers with four new chapters. Chapters on the Aztec uh, update. So we've got everything, no matter what your interest is. Don't be uh, ashamed or shy. Contact us at conspiracyjournal.com. Click on the free subscription banner, and we'll load you down with all kinds of fascinating stuff. And we won't even charge you, but buy a book every once in a while to keep us going. Where do we go from here? Chris, you have questions from the audience. Well, uh, you know, going back to the Shaver uh, mystery and the timing of how all this information came out, what role do you think Ray Palmer played in it? We, I think we all kind of know the role that Palmer played, but if he hadn't been involved, do you think the story would have uh, ever got traction? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, I think uh, uh, Ray Palmer, he saw, he saw the potential in Shaver's stories, and, and, and he ran with it. Uh, now, we all well know that uh, uh, Palmer uh, sweetened up uh, Shaver's writings uh, uh, quite a bit. And, and in fact, uh, I'm absolutely positive that a lot of Shaver's stories that were printed uh, were probably ghostwritten by uh, other uh, probably better better writers than Shaver yeah. ever, ever was. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I, of course, had to, you know corresponded with the Shaver. In fact... Uh, every week he would send me a box of dirt <laughs> taken from his uh, backyard, which contained rocks. Now, he claimed that if you saw the rocks, uh, sawed the rocks in half, you were actually able to see pictures of this uh, ancient uh, race. It was kind of like a, like a storybook or a crystal, uh, as he explained it. And by cutting it in, in different uh, planes and different angles, you could actually, if you knew how to... Uh, 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 view them properly, you could actually see this whole, uh, kind of like pictographs, Gene, you know, like on the cavern and the walls and things like that. I don't know. You know, at the time, I thought, well, this is wacky. It doesn't work. And my mother hated it because along with the box of uh, rocks and dirt came a few worms and God knows whatever else. Every week, uh, they were delivered to the post office. And uh, he was a fascinating character. There's no doubt about it. Now, 
uh, Palmer did public, uh, polish his work. There's no doubt about uh, that. But, you know, stories of uh, cavern dwellers and uh, uh, people living inside the earth go way back. Uh, there were many books that were written uh, on, the, on the subject. In fact, we've reprinted uh, uh, a few of them going back to around 1840. Uh, it's part of the, uh, the Mormon uh, belief system, actually, that... Uh, uh, there are uh, beings in a world inside the uh, the earth. Tibetans uh, believe in that as, uh, as well. Uh, they call it a gartha. Uh, we've reprinted uh, so far 10 of the 16 volumes of the Hidden World uh, series where Richard Shaver and Ray Palmer lays us on the, uh, the line and a lot of the readers of Amazing Stories and the Palmer's early publications have contributed letters about uh, hearing the voices and being inside the uh, the caves, and recently we just came across an entire collection of lost Richard Shaver articles that haven't been published since around 1945. So we're including some of those as well. But a fascinating man. Uh, people think uh, that he was hallucinating or he was uh, a madman. Well, he might have been a madman, but I think he was onto something. I would say that we do have dwellers uh, beneath our feet, whether they are in physical form or part of this uh, interdimensional realm as yet to be seen. But there have been many cases where uh, uh, cavern explorers, with no knowledge of Shaver or of any of this, have run into these little beasties underground. You know, in fact, Gene and Chris, the uh, Shaver mystery, uh, mystery is very big in Japan. How, how would you explain that, right? There are websites devoted to the Shaver mystery and even a science fiction horror movie that's been done where, they, where somebody gets lost in the subway system under Japan and run into the Dero and they have a conversation about Shaver. Well, you know, Tim, there's also <laughs> been a resurgence in uh, uh, interest in the basic ideas that uh, Shaver brought about. I mean, you have uh, uh, the late Mac Tony's uh, book, The uh, uh, Crypto Terrestrials, yeah. and uh, even though he doesn't go, you know, and specifically say that, you know, they could be coming from uh, yeah. the, the inner Earth, you know, that, that's one of the, uh, the, the implications of yeah. this book uh, with uh, Walter Bosley. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. he, oh they, Michael Mott, of course, uh, right, has been on, right. the, been on the show. And, uh, you know, even uh, uh, Paul uh, Benowit, you, you take the, uh, this, all this mysterious stuff, the cattle mutilations and all going on around Delcy and New Mexico. Uh, Paul Benowitz actually took photographs of objects uh, that he said that, that there were doors that actually opened uh, to, uh, to a vast cavern system there. And uh, we published on the back of his Benowitz uh, papers uh, a photograph of three objects seemingly going into the cavern wall. Yeah, the, I mean, the whole, the whole UFO phenomenon has, has really been interconnected with the, uh, with the whole uh, uh, under, you know, uh, hollow earth and uh, caverns beneath our feet uh, uh, idea uh, almost from the, uh, from the very beginning. I mean, Ray Palmer was one of the first to uh, put that connection together. Let uh, me ask you a question, though, about sure, Palmer. We mentioned Palmer a couple of times. And some of the chatter we've gotten from other guests is that Ray Palmer, fascinating individual. I actually met him at one time and talked to him a few yeah. times on the phone. Tim knew him. That a lot of times he was playing games with us. He was just saying this to get people to react to the stuff he wrote. Well, isn't that great in the UFO field? Maybe we should have more of it. I think we probably have more of that today than we than we did back uh, then because everything outside of maybe Palmer was nuts and bolts. You know, and the nuts and bolts of people... 
they don't they don't want to hear about this. I mean, now I remember Philip Brogno telling me this uh, story. Uh, you know, he was an assistant of Dr. Heineck, as was Ted Phillips, who you've also had on the on the program. And uh, these are both uh, fairly reputable. Uh, really staunch researchers. I, you know, I'm proud to know both of these guys, and they've done some fabulous uh, work. I mean, uh, Ted Phillips with his uh, uh, ground, uh, you know, cases with the markings of the ground and the landing, you know. I mean, the physical trace, just tremendous, four or five hundred cases that he's actually uh, worked, you know, worked on uh, firsthand. Anyway, they were both uh, assistants of Dr. Heineck, worked with him on a number of cases, and uh, you know, uh, Philip. Now he was probably the first to start edging out in the in that direction because I remember he used to write for a UFO Universe magazine that I was editing at the time. And he was, uh, of course, involved in the uh, UFO sightings over the Hudson the Valley, this uh, boomerang-shaped uh, craft that was seen by tens of thousands of people. I mean, there was one incident where 500 cars pulled over on the side of the road and, and watched this silent craft three times the size of a football field pass overhead, kind of like the Phoenix uh, lights, but not the flares, you know, the the earlier uh, sightings that you missed, G. And, uh, you know, so he start, they started both, uh, Ted and, and Phil started out at nuts and bolts, but uh, it, uh, Phil, as he started to get uh, more into this, he realized that there was a lot more paranormal noise going on here. And he asked Dr. Heineck, he said, well, why don't we talk about some of this other material? And Dr. Heineck said, well, maybe, you know, we know that it's going on. In fact, Dr. Heineck told me some pretty wild men in black stories, you know, but because uh, I was editor of the uh, – Close Encounters poster magazine that came out around the time of the movie, and of course, Dr. Heineck was a uh, an advisor consultant on it. He even showed up in a cameo uh, role. Uh, anyway, Heineck knew that he even knew that there was paranormal aspects of this, but he told Phil, he said, you know, better not to let let the press know about this, or they'll have a field day, because you know they're looking for sensationalistic stuff and they'll blow it out of proportion and use it against us. So let's keep away from that as much as uh, possible. But so basically, was, here we have Heineck being politically correct. Now, I interviewed him yes, a few yes, years before yes, he died, and yes, uh, you know he was giving broad hints that there's a lot more to this yes. phenomenon than we assume. Yeah. And oh, that we have I, to like say, Listen, I, I Tim, have, we have, have to do the break. We have to do the break, Tim. Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, and Tim Swartz. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in. The Pericast. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? 
Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. Dr. David Berry has provided excellent advice for all those interested in practical economics and sound money. It's certainly worth reading. That's what Congressman Ron Paul said about Cha-Ching Wisdom, 123 Practical Universal Truths About Money, the new book by Dr. David Berry. The cool part of this book, certainly it'll speak to you personally, your life, your lifestyle, your, your money, your investments, but it also can be generalized into the nation, what's going on as a nation. We do these same things personally that we do as a nation. Dr. Berry's book, Cha-Ching Wisdom, presents many facets of your relationship with the once almighty dollar and how current national and international politics affect affect your daily life. Some of the other things are, are about that. They're not just uh, economic, they're philosophical. There's psychology involved in this book. There's philosophy involved in this book. Read Cha-Ching Wisdom by Dr. David Barry, only $9.95, available at chachingwisdom.com. That's C-H-A-C-H-I-N-G wisdom.com. Chachingwisdom.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com We're in the final three segments of our visit with Tim Beckley. Loads of fascinating stories, a wealth of information. Maybe Tim will write his autobiography someday and we'll learn more. Tim Swartz joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host here in the Paracast. We were talking about the fact that Hynek basically believed in a lot more than physical UFOs, but he wanted to be politically correct. Yeah, 
but he did start talking about, towards the end, he did start discussing uh, a lot of this uh, material. We have it in interviews, some of which we've published and some of which we haven't. But the same with with Ted Phillips. I mean, Ted started out with the, the you know, the landing trace uh, cases. And then little by little, he uh, realized that, hey, there's something going on here that uh, far exceeds spaceships from other uh, planets. And last time I think I even heard him on your show, what did he talk about? He talked about this thing underground. Again, here we are underground in is it Czechoslovakia, apparently some sort of machine or being that's, uh, and he's w- wanted to go back into the caves to, to investigate this for many, many years. So anyway, we, we, we know now that UFOs are just not vehicles from uh, outer space, but I still respect Stanton Friedman. <laughs> well, here we go. I've got a question for you from one of our longtime forum posters, uh, Titer001. This is rather uh, tongue-in-cheek, but... <laughs> Please ask Mr. Beckley if there is anything he doesn't believe in. I really don't mean that as snarky. I subscribe to his Conspiracy Journal email version, but I've gotten the print version of it before, and wow. It was full of advertisements for the mystical rites of Moses and Solomon with the original, I guess, Arabic spells for whiter teeth and fresher breath and eternal youth and money out of the yin-yang type advertisements. Uh I'm reading this verbatim. Also, Mr. Beckley himself has written and produced several books and films about most every esoteric subject you can imagine. So I honestly wonder if he is truly skeptical about anything. I am considering... See, that doesn't make sense. Uh, You know, stop right there. That doesn't make sense. If I were the publisher of Doubleday, right, and I put out 300 books a year, first of all, see, the problem is here is that people know me. It's my brand name. Doubleday is some guy who's been dead for 100 years, right? If Doubleday puts out a book about Karl Marx and they put out one... Uh, about Adolf Hitler, does that mean that, there, uh, that Mr. Doubleday is a communist, or does it mean that he is a, a, a fascist? I publish two types of books. I publish books that I believe in. Those are usually the ones that don't sell. And I publish books that I think other people will be interested in, because I am a publisher, right? And I publish a wide variety of material that other larger publishers wouldn't touch, because it's a very limited niche audience. There's something to magic. There's no doubt about that. In fact, I think that um, even the UFO thing is tied up with the magic to some extent. I mean, some people even believe that Alistair Crowley uh, managed to materialize a, an extraterrestrial of, of some uh, sort. The early okay. founders of NASA were involved uh, uh, in magical uh, rites, and, and we know also, too, that, the, uh, that almost all of the astronauts were members of the Masonic uh, Order. Just because I, uh, I publish a book, I'm a publisher, so I publish a lot of different things. doesn't necessarily uh, mean that I believe in it. There's a lot of things that I haven't had the opportunity to investigate firsthand, but I do pick writers who know their subject. And so if a writer on a Well, I, I think both Gene and I and, and Tim would agree that uh, it's very difficult to hang the belief banner on a uh, publisher who happens to publish uh, certain types of books. But yeah. I think basically the question that Tyler was asking is, what are you skeptical about? Where do you draw the line in oh, terms oh, of... I'm skeptical you know, about everything. Oh, no, no, you have to... No, that's what people don't understand. Oh, good answer. I'm skeptical about everything. I, I believe that uh, there is a possibility that a lot of this phenomena is real, but I'm skeptical about it. If somebody tells me a story... 
I don't necessarily believe it just based on that. No, but I enjoy the company of people. I, I, I like the, the, uh, the contactees better personally uh, than I do the nuts and bolts of people because I don't want to hear about this all day and all night. I have other interests. I'm interested <laughs> in rock and roll. I produce bands. I'm Mr. Creepo. I do low-budget horror movies. You know, So I have a lot of interests. I like to read on a lot of subjects. I like to find out. I'm an investigative uh, journalist, see? I wrote a lot of articles, like I say, for the tabloid. Doesn't mean that uh, people say, oh, you believe Bill Shatner's story about his, contact, you know, his uh, experience with the MIB in the desert while he was out on the motorcycle? And now he says, well, he just made it up to, to tease or, or to, to get some interest from the journalist. Well, he would make up any story as he went along. And I realized that. So I don't put the... Um, the whole UFO phenomenon on the back of Bill Shatner, just because he says something that turns out it isn't true, doesn't mean that I don't believe everything else. But I'm going to report a story. Yeah. That's a very in good answer. And you have dovetails. to decide for yourself. It's all up to the individual, and that's where I leave it. Here is the material. It's the best that can be produced, and you decide. So why should I not publish a book if somebody is going to be interested in it? Now, there's some things that I wouldn't probably publish, like a Billy Meyer book or something by Loralians, because I'm not into cultism in, in that sense. Anybody who says, I'm the only representative of the space people, or I'm the only one who has a contact and everybody else is a fake, well, I don't buy that. I just don't yeah. buy that. I'm sorry. Yeah, if anybody comes to you and, and says that they have the ultimate answer, that they know definitively what's going on, eh, I, I'm going to be skeptical. I mean, you know, it's just, eh, there's just too much going on for any definitive answer right now. So <laughs> I run the other way. I don't want to get slimed or possibly uh, linked in with that sort of thinking. Um, how you uh, just answered the question, uh, Tim, was, yeah. is very interesting because it dovetails nicely into another question by Angela, one of our moderators at the forum.theparacast.com. Angela is one of our resident healthy, open-minded skeptics. Good. And he's wondering, and, and this is a really good question. I've never had anybody ask me this, but um, here's one for both of you. Please ask the Tims if there are any cases that people still hold up as real, even though they've been explained or proven as hoaxes. Yes, I have cool. one. Well, Billy, Billy here, Meyer here would be a, obviously the classic. A very, here is a very famous case, and I have an explanation for it. And anybody, it's a photograph. There's a photograph that was taken over, I believe it's Tulsa, Oklahoma, back around uh, the flap of 64, taken by a, a, a young boy by the name of Alan Smith. Uh, he claims he saw this uh, strange light. He was with his father, saw the strange uh, light in the sky, took a photograph of it. Okay. A couple of weeks later or a week later, he goes to pick up the film. When he gets the film back, the photos are blank. Well, you know darn well if you take photographs at night, they're going to be blank, right? I mean, most of the time. That's why people say, oh, you can't, you know, like, why didn't you take a photograph of it? Well, most of the photographs, if you take them, especially at night, if there are lights in the sky, you ain't going to get anything. Anyway, he looked at the negatives closely, and he saw a, a smudge or something uh, on the negative, and he took it back to the, the processor and said, blow this up, make a print of it. So they made a print, and uh, this is a very famous photograph. It shows a tri-colored object. It's, I believe, red, blue, and green. Well, this has been touted about as an authentic a photograph. Well, it isn't. I was going through a copy of Playboy magazine, of course, just to read the articles, many years ago. There is a painting in there by an artist that goes back to around 1920. I can't remember his name offhand. I'll tell you what, we'll get looking... to the painting in a moment, Tim. Okay. 
And don't forget to send us your cards, letters, or emails, mostly emails. Send them to news at com. Once again, that's news at com, where we read every message we get. We have Tim right. Beckley, Mr. UFO, Tim Swartz. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. GCN listeners, why have you been hearing so much about Dermatol, the all-natural, all-purpose first aid spray? Because it's the must-have first aid product you need in your preparedness kit. Dermatol is made in America by Americans who know there's a more affordable, natural way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many other skin problems. Dermatol is gentle enough for diaper rash, powerful enough for bed sores, and harmless to the eyes and mouth. It's great for the whole family, even your family pets. Dermatol is antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, and not diminished by freezing, extreme heat, or years in storage. Dermatol is an absolute must for any first aid or preparedness kit. Dermatol's soothing, rapid restoration of Injured skin is so effective, it's guaranteed. Order yours today. Call 800-217-6677. 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Efficient, economical, effective. Spray it all with Dermatol. We all need to prepare ourselves. You might have the food, water, gold, and silver, but ask yourself, are you truly prepared? That's why you need to visit MainMilitary.com. MainMilitary.com carries everything you need. Gas masks, wool blankets, fire starter kits, high-capacity magazines, chemical suits, military surplus items, and much more. Do you own a firearm? MainMilitary.com has a large selection of pistols and rifles suited for your needs. Are your local stores sold out of ammunition? Call or visit them today for prices on hard-to-find ammo and bulk ammo orders. You don't need to worry about having a military surplus store in your area because MainMilitary.com is the only store you'll ever need all from the comfort of your computer. Visit them online today at MainMilitary.com. That's Maine, like the state, Military.com. Or call them at 1-877-608-0179. That's 1-877-608-0179. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. 
month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze-Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze-Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze-Dry Guy, the best you can buy. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We return. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast with Tim Beckley and Tim Schwartz, Mr. UFO. Now, Tim, you were telling us about this Playboy photo? Yeah, well, no. Okay. There was an artist. Okay. he. I'm just trying to look this up on the Internet now. But he did a lot of very bizarre kind of ad- abstract uh, uh, paintings uh, from around 1925. In one of the uh, the uh, the paintings that he did, well, he he's most famous for the painting that was used for the poster, O Calcutta. In fact, that's how why it was in Playboy magazine. It's a uh, photo of a derriere, and uh, you know it, it's it, it's artistic. And he was quite he was quite an artist, very abstract. Okay, so in this issue of Playboy magazine, they they published four or five pages of of the other uh, artwork okay there's a, a a painting that this gentleman did around i think 1917 or so, uh, so that shows a castle a very ominous looking like omens and signs and there's a pope in red it was some religious statement that he's uh, making against the catholic church or something up in the sky are comets shooting through the air and a very strange aerial something or other just bizarre i mean it, okay you look at that painting and you zoom in on this tricolored object that's up above this mysterious darkened castle, it's the exact same object that's in that photograph. Stroke for stroke, point by point, you cannot look at it, and you cannot say that it isn't the same thing. Now, what is my explanation? Did the boy hoax this? No. But I would believe that perhaps he and his dad were at a museum, right? Maybe uh, at the same time uh, is the legitimate UFO sighting that he might have had. He took a photograph in the museum. Now, you know you can't use flashes in a museum, right, Gene? So he took it, and the pictures didn't come out. But he holds it up, and he sees this thing. Maybe it's the one little speck that came out on the, uh, uh, on the photograph from the painting. He blows it up, and it's this object that looks like a UFO, because it is a UFO in the painting, but it has nothing to do with the sightings over Tulsa. Okay, now, just recently, it was the anniversary, like the 25th anniversary of this particular sighting. The Tulsa paper did a big story about it. The boy hasn't, he's since grown into a man, obviously, but uh, he hasn't talked to anybody about this uh, in years and refuses to give interviews. But they had the original photograph of him when he was 14 and 15 years old, holding up the snapshot of this mysterious object in the sky. Well, the mysterious object in the sky has been identified. I sent the copy of the photo along with a copy of the painting, which I can do to you, Gene, if you want to post it. And you can see it's the exact same uh, uh, object. I thought that the Tulsa paper, in all fairness, would print my my letter with the photograph and the explanation, but they avoided it because I guess Tulsa, even Tulsa needs a mystery. And so it may be the only mystery in Tulsa, 
and uh, to the Tulsa newspaper, it will remain a mystery, but Tim Beckley has solved the mystery of this flying saucer over Tulsa. So, you know, I mean, I could have I swept it under the rug, right? I could have not uh, said anything about it to anybody and let it stay a mystery. But no, the, if you need an explanation for something and what exists, tell it. I'm not, I'm not afraid to do that. You know, if it hurts a few book sales, that's all right. I got 210 other volumes to sell. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's the story of the mysterious light over at Tulsa. And if you go to the Internet and you uh, type in, uh, you know, a Google uh, under images, the red pulp, you'll see it uh, right away. And, and there's no you match that uh, object up above the castle uh, alongside the photograph taken by uh, the young boy in uh, Oklahoma. And there's no doubt it is that object. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a story that uh, this happened around uh, 1973 uh, during, uh, uh, it wasn't too long, I think, after the uh, uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi UFO uh, uh, abduction. And uh, this happened near uh, Hartford City, Indiana. And this truck driver uh, driving down the road one evening, he described it as two Martians floating over a fence that was alongside of the road, says that they were uh, uh, silvery, you know, uh, dressed all in silver and glowing in the dark, and they had uh, claw-like hands, and they floated over the fence towards the road and disappeared in the ditch. And uh, this, uh, uh, you, and, and you can still read uh, this report in uh, a lot of books that... Uh, that talk about the 1973-1974 uh, uh, UFO flap that happened in the United States uh, at the time, uh, a lot of times in conjunction with the uh, Pascagoula uh, UFO incident. Well, it turns out that the uh, aliens that were seen floating over the fence, uh, uh, I discovered, were actually uh, uh, two little kids who had wrapped themselves up with aluminum foil and uh, with, with the intention of uh, going along the side of the road and uh, waving at cars as they went by. Well, in the uh, process of uh, trying to clamber over this fence, one of them got their pants caught and uh, was hanging upside down <laughs> while the other one was, uh, was trying to get him free. Now, how this truck driver ever uh, uh, turned that into uh, two, uh, two little uh, glowing aliens floating over the fence, I'll never know. Uh, but what what happened was that the the next day their parents found out what was going on what happened and basically grabbed them by their ears and marched them uh to the local police station and uh and had had them tell personally that uh, what had happened well by this time of course the uh, the story had gotten out uh about the report of the truck driver <sighs> But, you know, as you know, strange as it is, uh, the story about what really happened never really got uh, uh, any press time. Which, to me, is, is really funny because anymore, you know, if you uh, read uh, about a report, uh, UFO reports uh, in the newspaper, almost inevitably, the next day, there'll be a follow-up story where somebody will say, oh, yeah, well, you know, it was just uh, uh, some, some guy who attached some road flares uh, to a kite and, you know, was flying in above the road and uh, you know, some, uh, something like that. Is a lot of times uh, an explanation that seems to be uh, even more far-fetched than the actual uh, UFO uh, report itself. But, but anymore, uh, the media does not like to exist in a vacuum. They, they like to have a cut-and-dry answer as quickly as they can. And so they'll glom on to 
usually the first explanation, no matter how far-fetched it is. Anymore, it's, you know, uh, weather balloons with flares attached or uh, kites with uh, flares attached, you know, that sort of thing. Swamp gas. Swamp gas, yeah. <laughs> well, Tim, have you had any uh, personal experiences other than... Uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you, you mentioned a few UFO events. Have you ever had any visitations by MIBs? Have you ever uh, experienced some sort of haunted haunting phenomena or any other strange so-called paranormal events? Uh, which Tim is this? Yeah, you, Tim Schwartz. Tim Schwartz, okay. You, you know, um, I've had a few uh, UFO sightings, mostly uh, just lights in the sky. At night, and uh, you know, when it comes to lights in the sky at night, it, it, it that, that can be almost anything. So you know, I really, I really can't say that uh, you know they were definitive UFO sightings. Now, just uh, 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 recently, it was uh, last um, uh, 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 Memorial, uh, the day right after Memorial Day. Uh, about 10 o'clock at night, I, I let my dog outside, and to the southwest of me was an extremely bright red light in the sky. Um, it, 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 the way I would describe it would be like a, uh, a, a traffic light, you know, the red uh, part of the traffic light, like an LED light hanging in the sky. And that's all it was. I mean, it, it was just a, this steady Red light just just hanging there. It was, it was it was a distance away. You could tell it, but it was extremely bright, uh, uh, unlike any uh, airplane lights that I have ever seen before. And I'm very familiar, uh, 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 you know, with all airplane lights. It was just a single bright red light, and then all of a sudden it just uh, flicked itself out and it was gone. And I even stood outside and waited for a while uh, uh, to see if you know there was an aircraft uh, uh, passing overhead. Uh, but but nothing n nothing flew overhead, so I have no explanation for that. Now, I'll tell you I what, we'll get into more stuff in a moment. That's Tim Swartz. We also have Tim Beckley. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many files formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com <laughs> Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. 
Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 888 3653. That's 1 888 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. It is well known that protein nutrition is a key to optimum blood sugar levels. But to benefit at all from protein, your body must first be able to break down protein into amino acids. Once amino acids are liberated from proteins, your body uses them to make brain chemicals that make you feel alert and peaceful at the same time. Your pancreas uses them to regulate blood sugar and insulin. People are waking up and doing an about face when it comes to nutrition. They are learning that a high carbohydrate diet may encourage obesity and diabetes. They are now emphasizing proteins more to compensate. One protein source that is more easily broken down into amino acids is non-denatured whey protein. For better blood sugar and better weight, give One World Whey a try. One World Whey is the most powerful whey protein food on the market. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. And don't forget to send us your cards, letters, or emails, mostly emails. Send them to news at theparacast.com. Once again, that's news at theparacast.com, where we read every message we get. You know, folks, we were talking earlier on about the purchase of Skype by Microsoft. And, you know, the reception right now hasn't been too good today for Chris. So I don't know if that'll be better or worse. We have Tim Beckley 
and Tim Swartz on the PowerCast. Tim, you were still discussing your particular episode. Have any further details to add? As well as investigating UFOs and uh, cryptid creatures and things like that, I've also been to uh, a, a number of uh, haunted houses and, and haunted locations. I was ghost hunting long, long before it had become a popular uh, television show. Hey, uh, uh, Tim, uh, tell us about the teleportation. Uh, yeah, well, that, that's exactly uh, the story oh. I, w- I was leading to. Uh-huh. And uh, this was, uh, I I was working at a television station in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and this would have been around uh, uh, 1983. Got a report uh, from a a, a couple who uh, lived in uh, Springfield, Ohio. They were experiencing a poltergeist activity. They were an elderly couple, and they had just recently uh, had to take in their grandchildren because uh, their mother had been uh, sent to jail. And uh, one of them was a a 13-year-old girl and a 9-year-old boy. And about the same time, they started experiencing uh, all kinds of of haunting activities, uh, furniture being moved around, uh, wraps on the wall, things like that. So I took, uh, took my television camera with me. Uh, I was a videographer at the time and went over to this house to talk to the people, try to uh, record everything. Well, one of the first things that happened to me when I went into this house was that all the batteries on my camera, and I'm talking about, you know, a a professional video camera with uh, um, very, uh, very heavy duty batteries that were freshly charged, batteries just immediately were dead. Every one of them that I had was dead. And it also included the, uh, I had a, a power belt that uh, controlled a, a sun gun light that fit on top of the camera. All these batteries were just immediately dead. So uh, I was sitting on the couch talking with these people. The kids were, uh, were in their room in another part of the house. And uh, it was in the early evening. And all of a sudden, uh, from the ceiling, almost right in front of me, rocks started uh, started dropping down. A little uh, like uh, white rocks like you'd find in your uh, driveway. And just uh, like about five or six, just, you know, just one after the other from, it it looked to me, and this was a fairly well-lit room, it looked to me that these rocks were just materializing about two inches below the ceiling and dropping to the floor. And I mean, you could hear them, you know, clunk, clunk, clunk. And uh, I even, uh, after they stopped uh, falling, I I even uh, got a stepladder and and looked in that area, no holes, uh, anything like that. I picked up the rocks appeared to be normal rocks. They were somewhat warm to the touch. So remembering an incident that Ivan T. Sanderson had uh, wrote about at one time, I I took a magic marker and I marked an X on these rocks, opened the back door of the house and threw them into the cornfield right behind the house, went back in and sat down. Less than a minute later, here comes these rocks again, falling from the same part of the ceiling uh, each one had the very same X on it. So I, I still have these uh, rocks in my possession, by the way. I have no explanation for what was going on. I, I wish that I had been able to uh, uh, capture this on, on video or, 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 or on camera. But that seems to be the, uh, the way of the beast, so to speak, when it comes to these kinds of activities, is that they, it almost it, it seems to know when you're going to uh, have the camera out or looking directly at it. And uh, then it proceeds to go someplace else. Chris, you have some more questions because we're running out of time. Yeah, uh, Tim Beckley, that, that leads us to a final question that we have here from our forum uh, posters. Have you had any experiences of like some sort of strange awareness or an interesting event like that when interviewing uh, so-called abductees or contactees? Or in, or in the case that Tim Schwartz mentioned, uh, people uh, subjected to a haunting uh, of sorts. 
Well, my thing would be like the synchronicities that I explained, and I, I probably have another half a dozen or, or so. Now, I was told, and, and I don't remember this. Maybe I blacked out. I wasn't dr uh, drinking. Uh, the town of Pinebush in uh, upstate uh, New York. In fact, they had a mini UFO festival there a weekend or two ago. I don't know how successful they were because they didn't really do a good job promoting it. But there, were, there was a UFO sightings uh, not far from the Hudson Valley area. You know, it kind of seemed to be lumped in uh, with the with all that, you know, and uh, materializations of objects and uh, creatures. There was a gal by the name of Ellen Crystal. She's uh, since deceased. Uh, she worked with Harry Levelson, a good friend of mine, who was uh, the UFO editor of Omni uh, magazine. And uh, they were having all kinds of sightings up there and landings. And uh, she did a, a UFO uh, a book. Uh, it was kind of Pine Bush was kind of like the UFO Central. And I know we went up there a couple of times on an exploratory mission. Now, I was always very skeptical because uh, I, I remember one time that uh, uh, Ellen Crystal came racing out in her automobile. She had just seen this huge cross-shaped object in the sky followed by being trailed by, I don't know, some other crafts or something like that. And uh, we were only about a quarter mile away, and we didn't see anything. Now, in that, uh, at that point, I think it was a little bit more uh, New Age-oriented or ungrounded <laughs> than I am now. I kind of, you know, go back and forth with these things. My, my beliefs are subject to change. But, again, like I say, I've been involved in this for over 40 years, so what the heck, you know. Anyway, I was told that uh, one night we went on a sky watch, and I don't remember this, uh, fellas. Uh, and supposedly I started channeling. Uh, beings from inside the craft and said where the craft was from and why they were coming over the... Uh, oh, the say it ain't so, Tim. Well, I don't remember it. But the person who told me this, I don't believe that they were lying. They wouldn't make it up uh, either. I, it was somebody I hadn't seen in about 20 years. And she said, oh, I remember when I was with you in Pinebush and you started channeling in the spaceship and you said it was the, the Space Brotherhood. Well, I wasn't even drinking on that time. I never do, uh, don't do drugs. <laughs> and, and, and so I can't, uh, unless her... Well, all I know is my name is on the bathroom wall in the barber shop in Pinebush. Now, I, I, it, it's not the graffiti. Apparently, the guy who owns the barber shop—that's where everybody used to to meet to tell their UFO stories—and he made up a plaque of everybody who visited the barber shop. I saw it on TV. I didn't even know I'd been in the barber shop, but my name is on the bathroom wall in the barber shop in Pinebush. Uh, they had a, uh, there's still some sightings up there. Uh, apparently, I've talked to the locals, and uh, again, the people that had the sightings never bothered to do this because legends of mysterious uh, lights in the sky and landings and and, and weird uh, things going on go back to Indian uh, uh, times, the Indian tribes that lived yeah. up there. But none of the UFO witnesses bothered to do their uh, their homework, and so they don't even realize that. In fact, some of the locals uh, that I knew that were into the psychic, I have a friend who as a psychic reader, and she would you know some of the people living up there say, oh, UFOs, we know about these for, you know, like a long time. As my grandfather told me, you know, reports of this, but none of the uh, the current researchers bothered to uh, to go back in time and do a little bit of footwork. Do you think that's part of the problem, that we're not getting that kind of stuff? Yes. Yes, because a lot of people that go into this have their own preconceived ideas of what UFOs should be. So they uh, want to erase everything that doesn't fit into wh what they believe in advance. Yes. And I try not to do that. I mean, people may think of what they want about me and my uh, techniques of publishing or researching. But uh, when it comes to researching, I'm a, I'm a journalist. So I just tell what people tell me. I mean, I try not to 
uh, yeah, you know, I mean, some of the publishers want you to do, do, do like theorize a little, and I guess you got to go along with that. You know, and John Keel was big at theorizing, uh, of course, and some uh, researchers are, are better than others, and some just want to see spaceships in the sky. I don't think spaceships are landing in Pine Bush. It's something else that's going on up there. But it's just as weird. To me, it's a lot more interesting. If there are spaceships, fine. Wave to them, shake hands. Uh, like uh, Joe uh, Symington, remember the farmer, uh, Gene, in, in Wisconsin? He went on board the ship and they gave him a pancake. That's all <laughs> well, that was really a poor way of resolving <laughs> All he got for meeting extraterrestrials was an unedible pancake. Thank you very much. And it tasted like cardboard. Well, that wouldn't be the first time some of the places we've eaten at. It tastes like cardboard, too, doesn't it, Tim? Tim, quickly tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff you do. Uh, conspiracyjournal.com, which uh, Tim Schwartz is the, actually the webmaster and editor over there in cyberspace. I am the editor of the physical uh, Conspiracy Journal. So just go to um, conspiracyjournal.com, click on that banner, says free subscription, or go to Amazon, type in my name, Tim Schwartz, Commander X. You'll see all the books then. Email me, and I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. We'll have to take you up on that. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, of course, I'm a moderator at forum.theparacast.com. Uh, we have a very lively community of very interesting, up-to-speed, uh, very smart people on there. I urge all our listeners to join up. Also, I have a website that we're going to be redoing here in the next couple of weeks, ourstrangeplanet.com. Hey, thanks, Chris. Tim Beckley, Tim Swartz, thank you both for coming on this week on the Paracast. Uh, always a pleasure, Gene. Yes, thank you very much. I had a great time today. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.